Welcome to movies, man. Take your order. Yeah, um, let's see. Give me one utterly delicious milkshake, skinny calf, and order of onion rings. Thanks. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. Oh, Jesus. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. Yes! How many times? Well, um, three for fellowship, two for towers, four for return. Five for return. Dude. All right, look. There's only one return, okay? And it ain't of the king, it's of the Jedi. Well, Star Wars geek. <laughs> oh, I'm the geek? Look at you two whipping out your preciouses. You'll have to excuse him. He's not down with the trilogy. Oh, what the fuck happened to this world? <laughs> There's only one trilogy, you fucking morons. You know what? Maybe we should start calling your friend Padme because he loves Mannequin Skywalker so much, right? Uh, danger, danger. My name is Anakin. My shitty acting is ruining Saga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're crazy, Jar Jar. Oh, I'm crazy? Those fucking Hobbit movies were boring as hell. All it was was a bunch of people walking. Three movies of people walking to a fucking volcano. Here's the first movie. And here's the second movie. He is way off, loser. You ready for the third movie? <sighs> fucking A. Even the fucking trees walked in those movies. You know what? I've had enough of you. Your simplistic analysis of the trilogy aside, The Lord of the Rings was a massive achievement that even the Academy recognized when they gave Peter Jackson the Best Directing Oscar, an award your little friend George Toy Boy Lucas has never and will never win. Bones. Oh, sick burn. Let me tell you something. If Peter Jackson really wanted to blow me away with those Rings movies, he would have ended the third one on the logical closure point. Not the 25 endings that followed. What's the logical closure point? Yeah, friend. Enlighten us. When fucking Frito wakes up from his little coma or whatever and the little hobbits are jumping up and down on his bed and Sam leans in the doorway and gives him that very fucking gay look. Not the rings, Randall. Say what you will about Jesus, but leave the rings out of this. I'm gonna kick your ass back to the Shire if you don't shut your fucking mouth. That look was so gay, I thought Sam was gonna tell the little <laughs> hobbits to take a walk so he could saunter over to Frodo and suck his fucking cock. Now that would have been an Academy Award-worthy ending. So tired, but I know I'm 
Adam, how are we doing today? Good, boys. How are you? Good, all right. Good, good. Hanging in there. What's the What's with this February? Where's the snow? Tomorrow, I think. Are we actually getting snow tomorrow? I believe so. Yeah. God damn it! So one day I'll month I've had to actually go somewhere. Adam, do you know why I played that song? Uh, cause Gollum and the Evil One. Yep. So <laughs> one, one of the few one of the few songs that actually references Lord of the Rings. There's a Rush song that references Lord of the Rings, a few other ones, but that's probably the most popular. Lord of the Rings has more references in sort of popular music than classic, classic rock in the seventies. Classic rock than any superhero you're gonna find outside mm -hmm. of Superman who's just referenced all over the place. Yeah. Led Zeppelin's good for that. They do Thor, they do everything. A whole bunch of cool stuff, so so welcome, Adam. Adam is on because we're going to do our second volume of our Lord of the Rings review, redo. Um, we watched Two Towers, so we're going to review that in a little bit, but we're going to get into a few uh, news segments, a few uh, few items, a few things we saw, and we're going to start off this week with a fat fuck segment. Because I'm fat, fat, I'm fat. Kevin wanted to bring up a food mashup that he saw on Facebook, so he's going to send us a picture yes, if he didn't already. I sent it to you. Did you guys get it? I see it, yes. Okay. Three, a three-way pizza. Raymond, can you describe this for the people? I can't describe it. What the fuck is it? Is it steak? It's a three-way. It's No, it's roast beef, the barbecue sauce, oh, no shit. cheese. I'm thinking maybe mayo. I don't know. Looks yes, like it might be a yeah, little mayo gotta, in It's got to be, yeah. So... It's a pizza that's made from the items you would get in a roast beef sandwich a from North, Arby's a, or wherever. Well, that's like uh, North a North End roast beef sandwich. North End, yeah, North End, uh, Massachusetts roast yeah. beef. That's crazy. So, um, how do you feel about that? Well, it looks disgusting. It looks like uh, a mess. It does look like a mess, but I'm sure it's I can't it's imagine incredible. it's going to hold up when you pick that piece up. I know. Yeah, everything's, everything's going to yeah. fall off. Yeah. I, if I were to do um, that, I would have. I would have done it differently. I would have put the sauce on the bottom and even a little bit of drizzle yeah. of mayo. Yeah, I wouldn't have. That's yep. crazy. I would have done sauce on the bottom and then roast beef and then sauce and mayo on the bottom. Maybe some cheese and roast beef and then more cheese. Wow. Because it does look like an absolute mess. And it looks but I kind of want to try it. Make I mean, it a I mean, I love. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. A calzone would be good. North, yeah, North, a calzone uh, would be good. Yeah. A North End North Shore roast beef sandwich from Massachusetts is one of the best. If you get a good one, it's one of the best sandwiches around. Yeah. Yeah, I just had Haps last week. That place is phenomenal. Haps is great, yeah. So, a couple things. Um, yeah, this is... <laughs> we have some food... We have some taste testing we're going to do today, Adam. So, uh, be prepared for a re review of three things. But first, there's a couple of things I saw. One of them was on the Super Bowl that I'm sure you guys had saw because you watched the Super Bowl last weekend. But... Um, first one is, I'm going to try to get my links up so I can send Adam pictures of this too in the chat. Um, the first one is a Peeps flavored Pepsi. It's actually marshmallow flavored, but it's coming out in Easter. Um, yeah, it's, uh, special. Pe Pepsi's already sweet enough. 
Yeah, with the marshmallow aftertaste. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to be. But that is that is coming out, or has it is out. I'm not sure, but yep. Uh, the other thing is uh, Doritos coming out with a new flavor. Doritos hasn't come out with a new flavor in a while. This is a commercial during the Super Bowl for Doritos Sweet and Tangy Barbecue. Something we sure, may have to try. Something we may have to try on the yeah. podcast. So let's get into our taste test. Um, let's get into the Oreo ones first. We've been we've been talking about these Oreos for a while. Um, first one was the Oreo most Oreo Oreo, the one that's stuffed with cookies and cream inside of an Oreo cookie. I was uh, planning to have milk with this, but apparently all my roommate has is fucking almond milk. Oh, yeah. So Fuck I that. don't want to feel like less of a man, so I'm just going to go play. Yeah, we're going to try some this. some milk up in here. But it's a mega it's a mega stuffed Oreo, so it's like th- three double stuffs in one. And it's got cookies and cream on the inside, so... That's a lot of cream. Yeah, a bit of cream heavy. And the cream tastes like regular cream from an Oreo. It doesn't taste too much like it has the cookies in it. No. It's a uh, good cream. It tastes like an Oreo. Yeah, with a lot of cream. With a lot of cream. Yep. Not bad, though. The other one. Also another Oreo. Oreo Toffee Crunch. Toffee flavor cream with crystal sugars inside. Mm. So I'm guessing it's this like a... This smells delightful. I'm guessing it's like a uh, Heath Bar. Something like that. By the picture, that's what it looks like. How are those... That's really fucking good. I'm a big coffee fan, though, so... Yeah, I mean... I like that way more than the triple stuffed thing. I think it's sweeter. The cream itself. If if you had this cream and the other one, it would be way too sweet. Yeah, you can do a double stuff with this cream flavor. Interesting. And we talked about those flavors, the flavored Oreos before. They're kind of weird. Some of them are not that good. Have you done the birthday cake yet? I don't think I have, no. That is my favorite hmm. of the flavored ones. I feel like that would be really good. Because I it like birthday good. cake flavored like uh, ice cream like that. So hmm. that you can get like Cold Stone. Yep. Is it similar to that? Like with, uh, It's been it a while like cake batter? Cold Stone, but it, it's like that... It's, it's kind of like a cake batter tasting. Um, okay. As near as they can do inside an Oreo. Um, it's my new default. So make that okay. one of the next ones you try. Is okay. it a... What kind of cookie is it? Is it a vanilla cookie or a chocolate cookie? Chocolate cookie. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's cool. birthday cake. I think it's what it's called. So that's just the frosting? Cool. Cake. Last thing we're yeah. testing, taste testing is... I put a picture in there, but I have it right here. Twix brand new cookie dough flavored Twix bars. Instead oh. of the carrot... Instead of the caramel, they put cookie dough in there. I uh, had a perfect sounder for this, but I forgot to grab it. 
from the Seinfeld episode where George Costanza accuses some guy of stealing his Twix. And the guy says it was a Fifth Avenue. And he goes, I can see the cookie in your beard. And the guy goes, it's nougat. And he goes, sir, at my age, I know the difference between cookie and nougat. <laughs> <laughs> so let's try this. Let's try it. That looks nothing like the picture. Well, cho the chocolate is overpowering, so you can't really taste the cookie dough. Yeah, it doesn't really taste like cookie dough. That's disappointing. I think the my favorite Twix is the cookies and cream Twix, though. I haven't had those in a while. See, it doesn't even look like uh, cookie dough. It just looks like uh, vanilla something. Yeah. Yeah. You had me excited to try that, too. I think I'm going to have to go get some. I think you should get uh, some just to try it. But the chocolate flavor does overpower the cookie dough flavor. Try the, try the dough by itself. The dough has a weird flavor to it. It's not even like a real... It's almost like shortening. Well, because they can't because of the ingredients that are actually in cookie dough. Yeah. <laughs> It's that like is... when you get cookie dough and there's no eggs in it. That's awful. Yeah, out of all of them, I like the most Oreo the most. Toffee Crunch is a little bit too sweet for me. The Twix is on the bottom of the list, and yeah, the other one's in the middle. Yeah. The regular Twix is one of my favorite candy bars. Ever since I was a kid. Yeah, I love regular Twix. Yep. And I, love, I like cookies and cream Twix more than regular Twix. Yep. But it all depends if I want caramel or not, because I love caramel. Yep. All right. So after everybody heard us eat for five, ten minutes, <laughs> let's jump into the rest of the show. Um, what we watched this week. We watched a little bit. Um, what we listened to, what we watched. Um, Adam, have you, have you watched any of The Last of Us? I have not yet. Okay, Adam. I'm hunters, so... I didn't get into that yet. I recommend that you catch up this week. So the next time we game... Oh, we're gaming Monday, right? So next time after this that we game, we can talk about The Last of Us. I think they're on episode 6 this week. It comes out Sunday. Okay. It is an incredible show. There's two epic, epic episodes of the show. One of them could be the best episode of television ever put on television. Ever created. It's not, don't think of it as a zombie show. Think of it, well, it's a zombie show, but it's not like The Walking Dead. It's very different. Did you ever play the uh, video game? I only played a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. played a lot of the older you're, Resident Evil games, though. Okay. It's you're very an Xbox close. guy right now, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's very, very close to the game. It's one of the, one of the yeah. screenshot from screenshot. Is almost identical throughout the whole entire show per episode. For for every, if you ever see any social media posts about the show, every episode they have scenes that are exact dialogue, exact scenes, exact exact visuals, everything taken right from the video game. It's amazing, and the actor except Pedro, for episode three. <laughs> episode three, episode three is does a, not happen in the game at all. Brand new story, but it works for the for the story. But for the show, yeah. For the show, it works. Um, 
Episode 3 is the epic show, epic episode I was talking about. But we'll talk about that first. Episode 5 came out last week. It came out early because of the Super Bowl. It was out on Friday. So we watched it after the podcast, after we recorded. Um, it was a good episode. Very good episode. Um, it was right below the third episode for me. I, I like I like the action in this. It had tons of action, tons of shit going on. Um, Pedro Pascal is a fucking master at this. Um, this brooding, father-like, protective figure. Go figure. They cast him in Mandalorian in this to be this to be this this yeah. father figure. It's great, but um, it's a flash. The beginning of the episode is a flashback of this Kansas City QZ revolt that happens. Um, it's about this about this 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 kid and and his brother Henry and Sam. Sam, the little young kid, is deaf, um, and 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 having a death. A deaf kid in the apocalypse. Um, it's very, it's a very trying, trying for the two brothers when they're trying to travel through, and he has to do sign language to them, and they have to be quiet, which helps when there's clickers around and they have to be quiet. But... They, uh, they did end up in the Walking Dead later seasons. There's a couple deaf people in it. Okay, yeah, I gave up on Walking Dead a long time ago, so... but um, you kind of get the throughout the episode, you kind of get the question. Is Henry a good guy or a bad guy? Um, in order to get the drugs to help his brother, um, he had to have a moral dilemma, and he had to kill someone to get these drugs. And the person that he killed ends up being the leader of this revolt's brother. And she is all out to get this Henry and, and Sam, and she's trying to kill them, and he is the most wanted person in, in Kansas City. And, of course, Joel and Ellie are the ones that run into him. Um, the very end, Henry, Henry, Henry is a good guy, but he may, and it's questionable whether his intentions were good or bad if, to save his brother to kill this one person, but... Um, he sat. He at one point when the when the bad guys the I guess they're like a revolt or a, re, a, a rebellion um, end up cornering Ellie and uh, and Sam. He ends up sacrificing himself. Tries to sacrifice himself to this group of the resistance fighters. And Joel's up in a tower shooting him with a shotgun from the very very top. I guess is a scene right out of the video game. I guess there's a whole yeah. scene sniper where he's... Sh- sniper rifle. Sniper rifle. You could them with the shotgun from that range. That's what I mean. Sniper, sniper rifle, yeah. <laughs> um, but in this city, the reason there's no infected is because they were sent underground a decade ago. Eight years ago, something. I can't remember the timeline. But all the infected were sent down underground. And all of a sudden, you see pulsating in the ground. And 15 years ago, I have it in my notes. And like a tidal wave... This group comes out of ground and starts attacking all of these uh, all of these rebels and Ellie and Sam and Henry, and it just it's like a tidal wave just takes over and they're and they're zombies going nuts, biting, killing, maiming, everything. Great, great action scene. And during this scene, little Sam, the little kid, was bitten, um, and he and he asks Ellie to stay up with him at night to make sure that he doesn't turn during the night and of course ellie falls asleep because that's what she does she falls asleep she's exhausted wakes up in well, the morning you forgot the part where uh well you forgot that she's uh she is infected herself yes but her blood is kind of the cure which is the point of the show yes and she tries to 
she basically cuts her and puts it on his wound, thinking that'll help. Yep. So she wakes up in the morning. Sam is sitting on the end of the bed looking out the window, and she tries to reach over to him, and he lunges at her, tries to bite her. Um, and, of course, Joel, Pedro Pascal, comes in with a shotgun and and tries to take aim at Sam. And Henry comes in and sees his brother attacking her, realizing that he's turned, and he stops Joel from shooting her, and he shoots his own brother. And Henry... In a turn, who is distraught because he just shot his own brother, ends up taking the gun and shoots himself. It is a crazy, crazy, quick scene, dramatic scene. Um, makes you think at the end, was it all worth it to save this one kid by start by starting this whole revolution that happened with uh, with this one woman coming after them? And at, in the end, was it all worth it because they both ended up dying? But. Um, it's it's it was an amazing episode. I I love this show. Uh, it comes out every Sunday. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I, I I the problem with the video game is I keep dying. I I get into the I get into this tower in the beginning of the game and I keep trying to play and I just can't get through it. I'm on the easiest difficulty too. It's hard. I was gonna say are you playing on the easiest because I am. You yes. get through eventually. Yeah, because they end through. up. They end up giving you, like, at one point, they give you a shiv to help you get through there and start stabbing zombies. But you can only use the shiv, like, once, I think, and then they and then it goes away. So. Yeah, the uh, the beginning of that game is, I feel, more difficult than the middle. And then it gets difficult again towards the end. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult game to get the hang of, get the, especially if you, you don't play... I don't play them all the time. I, I play them... Whenever there's a good game that comes out, like a Spider-Man game or a... Or a Batman game, or something that's cool that I. Or even, I haven't played Zelda in a while, but a Zelda game, something I can get into, get my stick, my stick my teeth into. I'll, I'll do that. But um, I listen to the Ethan Suplee Pod Meets World podcast. Did you listen to that, Kevin? Of course. Adam, it, it, do you watch Boy Meets World growing up? Are you a Boy Meets World fan? Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Ethan Suplee, of course, he was also in Clerks. I'm uh, not Clerks, Mall Rats, the sailboat. And he's lost a he's lost a ton of weight. He's full of muscle now, and he's completely he was he was on drugs back in the day, completely clean. Um, he's still acting, still doing a lot of things. He was in my name. My name is Earl. Probably what 10, 15 years ago. So he's still he's still working. Yep. Boy, he was in the hunt uh, a few years ago. It was pretty good. Yeah, he was, he's in something now too. I can't remember what he said, but um, it was his first job ever working in Boy Meets World. First job he ever had. Um, very down to earth. You could tell. You could relate to his talk about being a big guy. I mean, I could um, being a big guy, in Hollywood, um, and he's always a big guy up up until a few years ago when he did lose all that weight. But um, but for us being wrestling fans, especially in the nineteen nineties, nineteen seven, nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight, and his father being Van Vader, Vader from the on WWE the on the show. Um, yeah, on the show, his father was Vader, and there was a show, there was an episode where they, where they had a wrestling match with Vader, and they were and being Jay tossed Roberts. around, yep, yep, um, and they talked about Vader, and Vader telling him stories of the ring about him losing an eye in Japan and scooping it back into his eye socket, it was, it was great, uh, it, the whole entire episode was good, I, I like, uh, Ethan Zipley very much, um, like I said, very down-to-earth guy, um, I like to see him in more projects, and he was he was in Clerks three, right? So the last uh, the last uh, Kevin Smith movie. So he was he did come back. Yeah, he was in, in Clerks three. I know he was in Clerks two. I think he was in Clerks three. Two. I think he was in three too because he had yeah. a lot of cameos. 
but yeah, yeah. I, I, I recommend that and uh, I have it in the I have it in the he, notes uh, later. He also was uh, one of Leo. He was part of Leo's crew back in the nineties yep. that used to get in trouble for basically being a bunch of rich kids that were nineteen, twenty years old. Yeah, Hollywood uh, doing stupid things they would do. Yeah, doing stuff you would if you had that much money when you were that age. It was him, Toby McGuire. Yeah, the whole crew. Um, but yeah, next week they're gonna have the kid who played Harley Kiner. Oh, I can't there. wait. I can't too. Um, the, the first one, not the second one, the one that was only in for one episode. This is the one that was in for most of the most of the se- most of the first uh, second season. Yep, and he was on Girl Meets World. He was okay. Yeah, he played a janitor. That's right. Because I remember them talking yeah. about that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Uh, quick reactions to Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. We saw it last night. We saw the premiere. Um, Kevin, why don't you give your reactions first? What you thought of the movie? It's a film. Okay. My reaction is, uh, it was good. Not great. Good. Not the best MCU movie. Not even the best Ant-Man movie, maybe. And we'll get into it at the end. A lot of stuff happened, but a lot of stuff didn't happen. And that may be the issue with this movie as a, as a ranking through the whole entire MCU from the beginning to end. This may be in the middle and we'll get into it at the end. There's a few things that were missing, a few things I wish that were there. A few things that shouldn't have been there that over that overdid it, but we'll talk about it at the end. Um, and Kevin, you wanted to bring up the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special. Yes, this show is absolutely bonkers. How many se- um, how many seasons are on HBO Max right now? Three. This is the eleventh episode of the third season. Okay. So it's worked into the season. It's forty two okay. minutes, like the rest of them. But uh, it's obviously it's animated. Uh, Harley is. Dating uh, Poison Ivy, and the entire goal of hers in this entire episode is to give Poison Ivy the best orgasm she's ever had. Um, there's a scene with Bane, who's just running around horny as hell, and towards the end, Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso does the voice of the animated character that is look like him, and starts like humping. It's like a it's like a display um, that you see, like driving down the highway, of just Goldstein, and he starts talking, and Bane like falls in love with him, and Bane's voice in this show is uh, it's a ton Tom Hardy's from The Dark Knight Rises. Okay, okay. They just make it a, a parody of that. Um, Bane's one of my favorite characters on this show, and then Clayface at some point gets cut in half, and he talks to his anus, who's the bottom half of him. And he kind of falls in love with him. It is ridiculous. Uh, the show is incredible. It's one of my favorite things to watch now. Um, every character is insane. Commissioner Gore is played by Christopher Maloney from oh, Law and Order SVU. Uh, he's just Commissioner Gordon, but he's drunk all the time. Like he's got a coffee mug full of like rum or whatever. The entire show. Uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, oh shit! If you want, I would start it, and if you don't like it after like four or five episodes, you can probably ditch it. But like, I didn't care for the first episode. I kept going, and I absolutely love the show now. Um, hmm. It's great. great. I may have to, I may have to then, check that out. Yeah, it sounds weird. Yeah, I definitely think you should. It's crazy. Hmm. It is absolutely nuts. <laughs> and the other thing you watched is you started watching the is the second or third season of Wu Tang. American third and final season of Wu-Tang and America okay. Saga. Okay. Um, 
I just want to bring it up real quick. Um, I don't know you weren't a huge Wu Tang fan, were you? Ray? Uh, later on, I got into uh, got into the music. Um, ODB. Okay. I was I liked ODB back when I was a kid, but yeah, yeah, yeah. ODB was ODB made it big, but basically what he did was he arranged it so that they would have a deal as a group, and then he would go to every other label to get them solo deal. So the end of season two, he had a deal for less money with Def Jam for ODB. But Method was already on Def Jam, so he didn't want them on the same label to compete with each other. Okay. So he got a deal with somebody else who gave ODB more money. That's a follow with ODB because ODB is going to be on Def Jam, blah, 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 blah. Uh, at the end of the season, he has everyone's demos ready to go and his house. So he loses all of his work, like 80 songs of work. Uh, wow. So basically all they have is their first album and Method Man's first album to basically live off of until they can re-record everything. So this just picks up six months later. Um, he's under incredible pressure trying to, he's trying to recreate beat that he had with the same exact samples hmm. and it's just driving him insane. And he's so paranoid about people stealing his music that he won't bring it anywhere and get the stuff like reconstructured or whatever, or reconfigured fixed. So he's trying to get everything off his back tapes himself. Um, and it's just a crazy episode. Um, ODB at this point is just doing a bunch of drugs and living in the city, not with the rest of the group who bought a mansion and are living uh, in the burbs. Um, at the end of the episode, he's being chased by the cops, ODB, and he gets away from them and he is on the second floor of a building and a, a attack dog comes and he jumps out the window and breaks his arm. Um, and that's where the end of the first episode left off. The show is really good. Um, if you like Wu-Tang, I would highly recommend it. What does um, it say? What I had a bunch of on? notes, but I'm just kind of What's that? What does this air on? Uh, what? Is it Hulu? Uh, Hulu. Yep. Okay. Hulu exclusive. Okay. Yeah. Um, Steve Rifkin is the one who signed them, and he's in it, and the guy that plays him is really good. Um, and, like, he's only there. He's, like, he's able to get the meetings because he's white. Like, there's a part where, uh, where Riz's brother is, like, they're walking into a meeting, and he's basically like, you're only because it's the only way we get the meeting, right? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, it's because I'm a white and Jewish. Um, so they bring up a lot of that stuff in the show. Um, it's really good. I enjoy it. I love uh, I love music origin stories. Like, I love the NWA movies, stuff like that. Yep. So I would highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah, I make it into that too. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on television. A lot of movies yeah. in my back catalog. A lot of video games. So. Same here. Work, I forgot work. it was on, and I saw an ad on Hulu, so I just start, so I'm like, oh, I'll watch it, and I watch the first three episodes. It's good. Yeah, where I'll fit that into my schedule, I don't know, but maybe I'll get into an episode yeah. or two. Um, yeah. But let's get into the big topic of the week that we're going to talk about is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, second movie of the fir- of the first trilogy that came out in 2002, right? The second movie? Um, back in the day, the second movie was not my favorite. Um, I, I had a bad experience with the first one. Didn't, I grew to love it later on. Same with the two towers. Grew to love that later on. I think it was because of the extended editions, to be honest with you. I think the story that the extended editions ended up telling expanded the story and it, and and definitely got more. I remember when you bought those and I was like, why'd you buy them? You didn't like them. And you're like, I might love them now. And you ended up loving them a lot more. Yep. It does. It does. And there's tons of special features on those too. Lots of making yeah, of, there is. lots of what a stuff on there. So, um, when Kevin Smith in, in Clerks Two talked about Lord of the Rings being a movie about walking, 
this movie was basically the catalyst for that. I have a feeling that's why I didn't like it in the first place. I think Kevin is probably the same way. That one, that in Fellowship, where there's just a lot of I walking. Liked, I didn't like Fellowship at all. At yes. all when I saw it. Like, zero interest in going further than this. I did walk out of the theater liking this movie. Okay. Um, not loving it, but like liking it more than the first one. Yeah, I didn't see this one in the theater. I saw the first one and I saw the third one, but I didn't see this one. I saw this one at home. Okay. And then, so I still have yet to see this in the theater. But... Um, and I know, Adam, this is your favorite of the trilogy, right? So I love The Two Towers. This is where, like a lot of stories, you got to know the characters in The Fellowship of the Ring. Right. The Two Towers is where you really see a lot of that character growth for each of the characters. And then they fully realize themselves coming to their own in Return of the King. But oh, yeah. a lot of character growth here. Um your first major battle with Helm's Deep, which was an Crazy. epic battle. Um, and I thought the scenery of Rohan, where they chose to film it, the way that fit the book and the descriptions, I mean, it was it was such a great decision to film um, where they did. And they made Rohan really pop and stand out. So I really enjoy that. Also... Gandalf coming back. Um, if rebirth. you read the books, you knew Gandalf was coming back. If you didn't read the books, there were folks who, you know, for them, it's the first time that you see, like, he's back and he's more powerful than ever. And um, and also Ents. Giant walking oh, trees yeah. that, I mean, yeah. they're strong. You know, they awaken and they remember they are strong. And the whole ending, and the whole ending in the movie with the Ents is incredible. In the extended version, they show a lot more of what happens with Isengard and Saruman. There's a lot more scenes of Saruman being stuck in the tower, wandering around <laughs> when it's all flooded underneath. It's great. Um, but yeah, let's get into a couple of the details that I wrote down in the notes, and we'll and we'll get Adam's opinion because he just read the book too. We we watched a three hour four hour movie. He read he read the book, so he he gets he gets gold stars for the day. Because this is not the first time he read it, though, so he's read it a bunch of times. But he did read it for the podcast, again, to get more acquainted. When, uh, when did you read it for the first time? When you were in high school? Yeah, good question. Uh, sixth grade, I think. Wow. Okay. Cool. I, I read The Hobbit in fifth grade, and then... I wouldn't have been able to comprehend in sixth grade me. Yeah, same. Oh, yeah, it... no, I, I, I read them all way back then, and then, you know, every few years, reread them. I, I, I didn't even know about Lord of the Rings. I think I brought this up with Justin. I didn't know about Lord of the Rings until the movie came out. Never yeah. even heard of I it. I was aware because my dad had the books. And your dad did, yeah. But it wasn't brought up in school ever. It wasn't. It was never brought up in school. It was never... It was on uh, our reading list in middle school. Nope. Definitely wasn't for us. Nars. Wow. One fish, two fish, red, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> That's what we had. It's not like I went to a great school in middle school whoa, or anything. Whoa. Jeez. We actually in York, York, Maine is a is a pretty uh, high high polluted school. So. It's a better school district than Rochester, New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. So but we had a I'm better reading list apparently. <laughs> but yeah, never heard never heard of it till the first movie came out. But uh, additions to the cast this time, an Oscar worthy performance. However, never nominated for an Oscar. Andy Serkis as Gollum. Everybody that's done a CG mocap since this movie can thank Andy, Andy Serkis for that. And what he did in Weta, what they do in Weta, and everything that he did with Gollum in that performance. 
is incredible. If you ever see Andy Serkis, he's he's nothing like the character of Gollum, so he actually does a great performance of this. Um, and it's one of those things that there's never ever been a mocap actor nominated for an Oscar, and he should have been. And at the time, I think there was questions about that as well, because the performance was so fantastic, and he was never nominated. The movie was nominated. The movie won Best Picture for Return of the King. But yeah, that that was one of the one of the prizes that was never nominated for was best actor for a mocap. But it's one of those categories that they hope they add in for a CG character. But my second favorite performance of his in his career. What's that? The other one, Caesar. His... Yeah, Caesar. I loved yeah. I loved uh, his Caesar. Yep. Again, you can thank Caesar. You can thank uh, Gollum for that. Because he is, and he is Gollum, but he's also Caesar. But that whole entire mocap process was be- brought into that movie because of this whole process. So, yeah. Um, the original voice of Chucky, Brad Dorif, plays Wormtongue. Um, and Carl Urban is the leader. The writers are Rohan, Lord Eomer. How, how do you say his name, Adam? Lord Eomer. Uh, Eomer. Yeah. He, uh, Carl Urban. One of the first times I ever recognized him. I don't think I rec- I don't think I've seen him in anything before that. He's a New Zealand actor. That was probably so. the first thing I ever saw him from. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was definitely the first thing I ever saw him in. Playing D and D, I get to I get to see a lot of connections to this. Seeing Aragon as an excellent tracker is one of them, because there's a lot of tracking involved in D and D, and you actually see him tracking in the beginning of this movie and trying to track the orcs. Great scene. And putting his ear down to the ground, seeing where they are, hearing the vibrations. Between him and Legolas, it's just, you know, it's crazy. And And Gimli just walks. And Gimli just walks. He could catch, he could keep him up. He could keep up with him. Um, You mentioned the Ents. Great, 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 great part of the story. Um, uh, Is it Treebeard? Treebeard, is that what the lead one is? The one? So he's. Treebeard's sort of the nickname that everyone knows him by. Yeah. But he's also known. I mean, it's Fangorn Forest, and he mm-hmm. is Fangorn essentially. Okay. Um, okay. But Treebeard is kind of that like familial name that gets used. Yep. Uh, great scene in the marshes. In this very quick scene, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum are going through the marshes. I don't. Ex- I don't understand this. Maybe it's explained a little bit in the books. What are in the marshes? Are is it was it a battle took place here and there are dead people Those in there? Those are the dead marshes. Okay. Yep. And it's sort of, you know, the ghosts and souls of the dead and bodies of those who died. So think back to the first movie when um, they've got Galadriel basically explaining the war of elves and men versus Sauron and his forces and how they fought Sauron all the way to Mount Doom. So way back when hundreds of years ago there were battles that raged all across this land and hundreds and thousands of people died and there were men on both sides men from the south who had been corrupted by sauron fighting you know the men of numenor and um and the elves so it's it's basically folks that died in that war Whose souls they're you know they're not put to rest essentially. <laughs> yeah, they're haunting it, and Frodo, Frodo of course, gets his eyes on one of them and falls into the water, and Gollum has to save him, or Sam saves him. I can't remember, but uh, it's Gollum. Yeah, um, Gandalf the White, the rebirth. This is very religious. I know. I know Tolkien was a religious man. Um, overall, and of course, the overall influence of the whole entire series is the Depression era. 
and industrial revolution you see that in this movie where they're where they built building a lot of stuff especially in Isengard you see that um but yeah Gandalf the white badass coming into the white horse iconic iconic scene especially at the end um the corrupt king of Rohan um I don't know the actor I'm sure I'm sure I've seen him in other things before but he's corrupt by uh, Saruman and and Gandalf goes in there with a little walking stick that he snuck in there and poof motherfucker's gone back to normal again back to being the king um so the big question of this movie is why does Frodo want to save Gollum? Um, he because sees, he wants to save himself. He wants to save himself. That's exactly what I wrote in the notes. Um, can he be saved is the question. Can Frodo be saved if he saves Gollum? Can he be saved? Because Gollum is the antithesis antithesis of what the ring can do to a person or a hobbit or being. And Frodo feels that happening to himself. So he wants to say, well, can I save Gollum? If he, if I can save Gollum, can I be saved? I thought I think that's an incredible backstory to this whole entire thing, and of course, what happens with Gollum at the end? Can Gollum be saved? Is the real question, and the answer is, spoiler alert, no, he can't be saved from the ring's grasp. He dies with the ring. Spoiler. If you if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the third movie, so we'll spoil it. But you mentioned the Battle of Helm's Deep. Great battle scene. But it gets dwarfed by when you see the third movie. The the, the the third movie is just a huge, huge battle. Um, lots of good stuff in this one too. Lots of lots of interactions with the three main, the dwarf, the elf, and Aragon. Lots of interactions between the three of them. <clears throat> Again, the D and D connections with this, especially now that I play, is incredible. Um, and the Ents, they go to war with Isengard. Um, <clears throat> when he sees that. He sees that Saruman has burnt down a whole entire forest. He calls the rest of his people, the rest of his Ents, and they just go there and just start throwing rocks and start breaking down dams and set a river down into Isengard, flooding it, destroying all of the orcs, flooding and, and trapping Saruman and Wormtongue up in the top of the tower, and they are stuck there. And, of course, Merry and Pippin find a, <laughs> find a big, huge vault of food. And, and smoking pipe tobacco or whatever you want to call it um, <clears throat> yeah it's 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 amazing and, and then the ants of course the other the other ants go and destroy the orcs as they're as they're retreating from Helm's Deep because uh, because um, Gandalf brought in the riders and they ended up saving Helm's Deep so um, the other part of the story at the end the ring race find Frodo. Um, what is that flying creature? Is that a dragon that the Ringwraiths are uh, flying? That's a Nazgul. A Nazgul, okay. Um, it looks like a dragon, but I didn't think it was. It didn't have the same face. And, of course, you see the only dragon I know in Middle-earth that I've seen on screen is um, Smog. so I don't know. And he's really the only, in this era, He's real, Smog was really the only active dragon. People have debated different theories that Gandalf purposely went to find um, Thorin's father to get the key in the map, make sure that got it to Thorin's hands, knowing Thorin would pull a band together and go oust the dragon because Gandalf wanted didn't want Smaug to, to ally with Sauron. Oh, Could horrible. you imagine if yeah. Sauron and Saruman had a dragon? Holy crap. <laughs> that would have been horrible. That would have been a lot worse. As it was... 
you know, Sauron's got the nine, the the nine riders, the ring wraiths, who start off on horses, you know, all just cloaked in black and trying to be a little more circumspect. Not that they necessarily fear much in the world, but they were trying in the first movie to go under the radar. At that time, some of the powers that be didn't know that Sauron was seeking the ring. He was trying to do it quietly. And then by the second movie, there is no more stealth. It's I'm seeking this with everything I have. Yeah. I need to find it. And he didn't trust Saruman to turn the ring over. Saruman found it. And that's where you get the orc infighting. Is both have orders to take it, but orcs they're they're not nice creatures mm-hmm. and they they'd assume Eden Hobbit is take one prisoner, so um evil implodes on itself and allows Mary and Pippin to escape, which is phenomenal. And with uh, the ring with the ring race and Frodo, the other part of that story is Faramir. Who was the brother of Boromir, who was killed in the first one, played by Sean Bean. And uh, he passes the test that his brother failed. His brother failed, but the ring corrupted him. And Faramir actually let the hobbits go in Gollum and continue their journey at the end of the movie. Um, even though he knew that Gollum was being treacherous by what, by words that he said about the, um, about the shortcut that they were going to take, um, he still let them go and he threatened Gollum. Um, but the movie leaves off with Gollum leading the hobbits to destroy the ring at Mount to Mount Doom, but he's secretly planning their demise while on the final part of the journey, saying we could let her do it. And that's where the movie ends. You see a final picture of the, the Eye of Sauron and Mount Doom from far away, but not as far as it was in the first movie, getting closer and closer and closer. And of course, if you know the, the trilogy, they get there, but it's a journey. A lot Holy of walking. Shit. A lot of walking. What's what's the timeline of this whole entire series? Like from the beginning of the book to I was going to say like like how long did it take the them to walk there? Yeah, how yeah. long did it take to get from from the Shire to Mount Doom and then back to uh, Rivendell? I it's been a long time since I've looked that up. Obviously, their route was not as direct as right. It, you know, in, in an era where there wasn't any war, it would have been a lot more direct. Right. But they didn't know where they were going. Frodo and Sam got lost. You know, you see them climbing and, and going over all this rocky terrain. They get lost in there and turned around. Then they get Gollum to take them to the Black Gate. He takes them there because that's where they said they wanted to go. Then they realize, well, we can't go through there. That's yeah, suicide. Right. right. You know, there's there's and even in the first movie. They were trying to go a certain way and then got forced to go, all right, let's try to go over the mountains. Now we're going to have to go through the mines. They had a lot of detours along the way to get there. The closer they get, once they get past Faramir, it's a pretty straight shot for them. It's up through the cave and then just trying to make their way across Mordor, which is desolate, not a lot of places to hide, and just got to try to make it to this mountain and not get seen. So um, they zigzag a lot early on and uh, even through the middle parts. Every time I watch these movies, I notice new things. It's, it's one of those movies where you notice new things, new background things that, that you don't notice. You notice it every time. Star Wars is like that 
Oh, all my favorite movies. Back to the Future. You notice little intricate details that are put into it. Um, two questions I have for you. The first one I asked Justin. Can you... I know you are good at reciting things. You can recite the whole entire V for Vendetta thing. You've done that for me. Yep. Can you recite the whole entire... One ring to rule them all, one ring to bind them. The whole entire soliloquy. From beginning to... Try to put the pressure on, but I think Justin did. Justin oh. did most of it. He, got, <laughs> he, he kind of stumbled towards the end, I think, but it wasn't, That's right. it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't a big stumble. The problem is remembering how <laughs> it starts, because you hear it in bits and pieces so often. It's, it's uh, so... In the in the uh, Mordor in the Mordor, I can't uh, where the something lies. I I can't remember. In the land of Mordor, where the shadow lies. Yes. One ring to rule them all. One f- ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness binds them. In the lands of Mordor, where the shadow rise. Um, what goes at? It's so hard to remember. I because you hear it in bits and pieces, but yes. there's three rings. Uh, how did it go? Oh, I can't remember the rest of it. And I just read it the other day, too. I know the gist, but I know I'm not going to get it correct. That's so okay. I'll concede. Okay. So Justin wins. You can tell Justin he won. I, you know what? Right now, he's out of work. i got to give him a win. But yeah, so you read the books. And the, big, the other question, the big part of this is I want to know... What are the differences between the movies and the books, and what did you like about the movie? What didn't you like about the movie, and what do you prefer over the book, movie, vice versa? Sure. Um, so there are differences. Um, I'm a huge fan of the books. I'm a huge fan of the movies. I understand, you know, a lot of the differences and why they did certain things. The some of the biggest things that are different. Um, when Aragorn first leaves Rivendell, he leaves with the sword reforged. He has that reforged blade the entire time. And that doesn't happen until that doesn't happen till the third movie. Third when movie. Is, third movie, yeah. Okay. You see in this movie that Elrond is in peace. Is being forced to come to a decision. Um, you know, he's trying to get Arwen away. That's really not part they send him off with the reforged blade. There's a lot more faith in Aragorn from the start. So it's not like we're going to bring this to you later. Right. So when he first meets Aemir, when they're tracking the, the orcs and looking for Merry and Pippin, he pulls the sword out and proclaims like who he is, that he's Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Isildur's heir, and, and the sword that was reforged. And that's what gets Aemir to kind of go, all right, maybe these aren't spies. Like, crap, this is somebody out of legend. Hmm. Like, even Aemir knows that history. It's, when he says who he is, people know. Um, so that that was a big difference is, you know, he's already got that sword and he's using that, um, sort of that title and he's using his heritage and a little more accepting of it early on in this movie. Um, Helm's Deep. There were no elves at Helm's Deep. Um, okay. And Gandalf did not say, look for my coming, you know, at dawn on the third day. Oh, really? There wasn't any of that. Um, however, they did blow up that that trench gate where the water was coming in. That right. did get blown up. Very Aragorn, Aragorn does go out on the bridge 
to kind of clear them away with the battering ram so yep. they can reinforce the doors. He goes out there with Aemer. They don't throw Gimli across. They don't know till halfway through. Him and Aemer are out there side by side, hacking at these orcs, knocking them off the bridgeway, and then all of a sudden, Gimli's there in the middle of the pile. Like, where did you come from? Hacking away. Like, he wanted to kill something, and he can't He can't shoot things on the wall like Legolas, so mm. he shows up. He gets... He falls off that call. Like, they lose track of him. He falls off the causeway. He almost dies, hurts his head pretty bad, and gets hmm. holed up in a cave with some some caves nearby with some other humans. Hmm. Legolas thinks he's dead. They find him afterwards. Um, they kind of did that a little bit with where, in the extended, where Aragorn falls and is missing. Hmm. I think that was sort of yes. paying homage to that a little bit, but that was different. And then you talk about um, Treebeard going to war against Isengard. They make Merry tricks Treebeard in the movie. No, bring mm. us that way towards Isengard, right, yeah. and then he sees the destruction. In the book, he already knows of the destruction. Merry and Pippin don't have to trick them. The Ents get mad, and they choose to go to war. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that certainly happened a little bit differently. I don't... It doesn't bother me like some other book-to-movie adaptation things have. Um, I really enjoyed it. And at the end, Faramir does not bring Merry and Pippin to Osgiliath. That's where you see there's a battle, and a, a Nazgul shows up with the ring wraith riding it, and that's where he lets them go. In the book, he actually takes them to a secret hideout. They have to be blindfolded to get there. Faramir has a rough idea of there's something called Isildur's Bane, and he gleans information from Frodo and Sam, and he's like, oh, it's a ring. But he makes sure that no one else in his company finds out about it. He learns that his brother, he kind of deduces, like he's very insightful. And he deduces that his brother tried to take it and kind of was corrupted by it. And he goes, I, you know, I would not take that if I found it lying on the side of the road. He passes that test, but he never takes him to Osgiliath. Like, he passes it much sooner in the book. He comes off as much wiser and sort of a better person. Um, he's very, not that he distrusts the other men in his company, but he's wise enough to understand, just because I can pass this test, not everybody can. And he's not overly shocked that Boromir would be seduced by that, wanting to do the right thing, but being seduced by that power. So... Faramir, I think, comes off a little bit better in the books, but in the end, it's you know, it's about the same. They still paint him in a good light, right? So, we rated the first movie. We're going to give this a pineapple rating. Justin gave the first movie a five. I gave it a four and a half, and Kevin gave it a three and a half. But Justin gave it a five. The first movie, the second movie, yeah. for for me. Is not as good as the first one. I like the first one very much. I like the battles. I like the I like the um, building of this one. The third one is my favorite. Always will be. Um, if the, if I gave the first one a four and a half, I'll give this one a four because it's not like I hated the movie. It's just it's just not as not not as good as the first one to me. Um, so yeah, uh, Kevin, what do you give this movie? You gave the other one a three and a half. 
I like this movie more than the. Um, okay. It's a four, for me. Cool. Um, cool. I really like the ending. Um, and I remember walking out of the theater also liking this one way more than Fellowship, and enjoying the ending. Um, and I understand the characters more now than I did back when I saw 2002, and know what's going on this time, um, because of my short ass attention span back then. Uh, so yeah, play a four. And Adam, and, your your official pineapple score of Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. What do you give this movie for a pineapple score? I give it score? a four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. I deduct half a point because some of the changes that I don't think they were necessary, and um, but overall, I thought it was it was phenomenal. Um, and like you said, Andy Serkis was amazing. Yeah, yeah. To add on to that, he essentially was playing two characters. Yep. He was playing Gollum, which is the corrupted version, and Smeagol, yep. the Hob- less Hobbit-like. corrupted version. Same person. Smeagol was basically a hobbit, or a hobbit-like, you know, descendant of, you know, mm-hmm. ancestor of hobbits. So when Frodo looks at Gollum slash Smeagol, he, it's very easy to see himself. They're similar stature. They were similar type folk. It's just these were river hobbits, for lack of a better term, and really easy to see where that that could go. And Gollum had the ring longer than longer than Bilbo had the ring, longer right. than Frodo ever had the longer than anybody. Gollum had that ring longer than any mortal creature in its entire existence. Yep. Isildur didn't have it very long before it ended up in the river. Gollum had it for a long time before Bilbo took it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie, but the, the third one, when I saw it in the theater, blew me away, especially the scene, which we'll talk about with, with Chris. And then eventually, when I, I, told, I told Justin the same thing. I want to get all three of you guys on with us to talk about the Tolkien biopic that starred uh, Nicholas Holt. Came out a couple of years ago. Haven't seen it. I don't think you've seen it yet either, too, yet, uh, Adam. Have you? I have uh, not seen no. it yet. Yeah, we haven't seen it. Uh, Chris has seen it. We ha- we talked about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to review that too um, about the making of the Lord of the Rings, him being in the army, the influence in his real life that turned turned his real life into the little pieces of the story that ended up developing the Hobbit, and then eventually Lord of the Rings, the whole lore of everything. Which is incredible. It's an incredible story. I hope they. I hope it does it justice. I'm not really sure how it is. I, I, don't know any, I, I haven't don't know heard anything about the movie. Like, I, I don't know nothing. Like I don't remember when it came out. Yeah, I, I don't like, know. It came it. out in 2014, I think. But yeah. I never heard anyone talk about it. Yeah, me neither. I never. I never. And I, I, I'm surprised that you and Justin haven't seen it because you're so so into Lord of the Rings. I, I, I I'm surprised that you, it wasn't on your radar. Yeah, and that could come with the movie if the people that love Lord of the Rings haven't even seen it. Yeah, yeah. Eight I years after didn't it came out. have as much <laughs> streaming services as I do oh, now. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that True. makes a difference. Um, I've seen some of the you know makings of the movies. I've read stories about Tolkien and his life, and I mean, yep. he was in the war. You know, he was also like you said, he was he was very religious. Um, so that you know that plays into it, and he had a lot of thoughts about you know industrialization and and the effects. That, that was having on our world and you you see those throughout the entire story mm-hmm. yep and of course this it all goes back D all goes back to this everything all goes back to the lore that he created 
and every even not only that, just fantasy in general goes back. Even yeah, J, J, uh, um, Game of Thrones goes back to yeah. him. Everything. Martin 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 reads the trilogy every year. No wonder he doesn't finish the fucking stories, you fat prick. He has no time. He's reading the fucking books. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's always credited. Like he's like no one's ever gonna come close to Tolkien. But yep. we can all try. He is so the, cool. Tolkien's the father of modern fantasy. He's the one that came up with the idea of I'm gonna put a map in the front of my book that shows you this yep. fake world I created. And then he created his own languages. Like a full language yep. just to use for these books. Like why? But he did it. He went he went so far and everybody else can just try to do their best to imitate. It's impressive. And part of that is also why Game of Thrones required the Dothraki to have their own language because in the book it's just whatever you hear them talking. George didn't even make that up. They're like, we need them to have their own language. They had to create their own language for the show. Yep. Yeah, and of course he created Elvish, so it's 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 amazing. Yep. Yep. He's um, the godfather of all the fantasy stuff. So that's it for Lord of the Rings. So uh, thank you for that long, long talk about that. And we'll get into Return of the King eventually. And, of course, uh, the the show that's all connected to this on Amazon, um, which I enjoyed. I know you guys were a little skeptical, uh, not skeptical, but um, nitpicked it a little bit. Something yeah, a little underwhelmed. A little underwhelmed. Yeah. But, yeah. I think just, but it's only I think the first just, season. I, it's going to get much better, I feel I think, like. I think and Justin, I enjoyed it the first season. I think Justin didn't like it as much as you did. I know I liked it more than you guys did, but um, yeah. 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 We're also not as connected to the lore and all that stuff as clearly you guys are. So and how I've seen times... a lot of people that are huge fans of the books picking it apart way more than I'm an average Lord of the Rings fan. So. And how many times have you read the, the, the whole entire series? Um. Oh, I don't know. Probably six, seven, eight. Easy. I haven't read it once, Adam. So you're way so, ahead of us. If you, <laughs> you were ever to going to, yeah, I could. Yeah, just read The Hobbit. Yeah, I did it's do an that. Easier read, and God, don't have me on when you talk about The Hobbit. If you want it to be pleasant, the movies because those movies <laughs> sucked. I still gotta watch the uh, token cut that I got of The Hobbit. Oh yeah, and all, the, all, all of them, really all, good. All of them put together. Yep. The token cut improves it. Yep. It improves okay. it a bit. So that's it for that. <laughs> so let's jump. Let's jump into the news. And there's a lot of news, and there's a lot of trailers because the Super Bowl just happened. There's a lot of trailers during the Super Bowl, so of course, when there's trailers, there's the patented deep blurb trailer roundup. First trailer that I noticed on the Super Bowl, well, we'll talk about the big one later, but the first one that I noticed on social was the Super Mario Brothers plumbing one. It was a commercial for the Super Mario Brothers to the theme to the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which as a kid I loved with Lou Albano. Mm. And it was great, and there's actual, actual, actually a phone number and actually a website for the Super Mario Brothers plumbing. I can't wait for this movie. I, I know it's probably... 10 years too late for us. However, just the nostalgia from my childhood is going to make me go to the, see this opening weekend. It looks good. Oh, yeah. I, I love Mario. And I made Kevin watch the original Super Mario Brothers with John Leguizamo last year. So this will be the... This will uh, be the... This will be the... I have to watch it. I had to spend the time to find the fucking thing online. 
It was hard I mean, to legally. find. Yeah. It was hard to find. No, because it's not on streaming. It's not. I don't think it's on any of the streaming services or iTunes or, or Google any of those. Yeah. So he had should hunt, bury that fucking thing. He had to hunt it down on the torrents, but he did find it. We watched it. We reviewed it. it wasn't a good review. It wasn't a good movie. Yoshi looked like a shitty dinosaur puppet, but um, I can't wait for that movie though. The new one. It looks good. Um, another movie I'm not into the Transformers franchise as much. I haven't watched since maybe the third one. Um, you tell me that Bumblebee's a good movie, which I, I may have to go back and see. Bumblebee but, is fine. Um, but the I think it's next, like a 93 on tomatoes. That's crazy. Audience score. I think uh, Haley Steinfeld's in it. Um, but um, yeah, John Cena. John Cena's in it. But the new one, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, about the beast Transformers, the dino- the uh, animal ones. Um, starring uh, Anthony Ramos from uh, Hamilton. Um, he's in a whole bunch of other things, too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It looks okay. It looks fine. It looks fine, yep. Uh, the other trailer that came on Super Bowl, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny TV commercial. Not a lot in this one that wasn't in the first one. I think the first trailer was, looked pretty good. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with this movie. He's 80 years old, so I'm skeptical, but we'll see. I'm going to see it, obviously, but... The big Marvel movie that debuted a full trailer, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, debuted a poster as well. I can't wait for this movie, especially after seeing Ant-Man. I can't wait for this even more because I'm hoping it'll be good (laughs) pretty much. But it's going to be a gut punch no matter what. James Gunn is giving the whole entire Marvel Universe one last shot to the gut before he goes over to DC and runs everything. And and it's either going to be Drax or or Rocket that die in this, and it's going to be some sort of emotional. I hope I hope it's Drax sacrificing himself for Rocket, or something like that. They're trying to make you think it's going to be Rocket. It seems like. Yeah, Dave Dave Bautista is trying to make it make you think it's him too, because he keeps saying he's fucking done. But I I, yeah, and I I can't wait. He's trying to do other things now. So yeah. And, he's a, he, and like we mentioned when we, when we reviewed Knock at the Cabin, he, he's getting better with every role that he's given. Um, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's, he's a good actor. And I think out of all the actors, wrestlers turned actors, he may be the best turned actor, oh. wrestler to actor. <laughs> I don't know. Terry Bollea is pretty good. Just let that, yeah, let that, with muscles. Let, that <laughs> sit, let that sit for a minute. You know who saw Metallica? True story. Yeah, he was a basis for Rock is better. <laughs> the, the Rock, the Rock can't act himself out of a paper bag. He, he, he is Next a energe- he's, he's an energetic. Rock. He's an energetic yeah. person, but I can't see the Rock being in a dramatic turn movie. Like I can see Dave Bautista doing something like that in a romantic comedy. Yeah. He want, he wants to do a romantic comedy. I'm all for it. But I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I just can't wait for that. I love the soundtracks that come out with these movies. Come out. I, I have them on yep. repeat the whole entire summer. The last two that came out. So I'm looking forward to this. And we only got almost two months left for, until the next one. So, um, yep. but the big, huge trailer that dropped at the Super Bowl was the Flash. This trailer was oh. incredible. Yep. You see the Flash. You see Ezra Miller, who was a jackass, but he came back for this. He looks in. He looks great. But you see Michael Keaton as Batman come back in the full Batman 1989 uniform. 
geeks everywhere just exploded. It was like a geek tsunami happened at the Super Bowl. It was actually before the Super Bowl, Super Bowl right? It, it was one. It was one of the first thing they aired before the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they showed it. I think they showed. Did they show the full trailer or not? Um, I was watching that. I was still cooking food, okay. and then the by the time I saw the trailer, it said full trailer now online. Okay. I don't know if that was the way they designed it the first time or not, but, but yeah, I had to go the, run downstairs and watch. There it were actually YouTube. there were actually two that released. There was the full trailer, then there was a commercial that showed a little bit more footage. Um, okay. it, actually, it showed Kara, who you end up seeing Kara, who plays Super, who's Supergirl, Superman's cousin. Something happens with the Flash where he creates a multiversal anomaly, and Superman is no yep. more, and it's Kara, his cousin, who's Supergirl. Have she's being have held you read prisoner. Flashpoint? Or I've seen. seen it? I've seen the movie. I see the. I saw the cartoon. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, and of course, uh, it's Batman's father, who's Batman, which doesn't happen in this, but. Um, Oh my god! It, it looks it looks amazing. It looks stunning visually. Yep. Um, comes out. It looks on June like si- Superman's cousin's the one that's in the basement of the uh, federal government, not Superman. It's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I hope. Comes out June sixteenth. You see a whole Batman Rogues gallery of all of his suits, a gallery of all of his suits that he's had over the years. I love he's, the. Uh, he's a grizzle. Blue. Oh yeah, yeah. The blue one and, and with the, the, uh, the Batman sixty six uh, logo. Yeah. Yeah. So much shit. And of course, there's a flash ring. Ben Affleck's in the trailer as Batman on a bat cycle, which looks fucking incredible. Yep. You, you see Zod, which was shocking because Zod dies, and this is a is a retelling of the first yeah. Superman Superman movie. By the looks of it, with Kara as Man the of Steel. Lead. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you see, and you see, uh, you see Bruce Wayne. You see, you see Michael Keaton just pulling the strings as Bruce Wayne. It looks incredible, and I can't wait for I this wanna, movie. I want to know how they get Zod to Earth this timeline i have a man of steel it's because superman opened a beacon so i don't know i don't know what's your thought on it i wonder i'm wondering if they'll show cavill dying in this if he's going to be in it at all i'm wondering if he's dead and maybe Kara is underground i don't know i I maybe he's maybe he's already sent the signal and then he's gone when flash goes back because they Um, show they show the Because they show the actual machine working, so they show it like the first Man of Steel movie in the trailer. Yeah, they, they show they show. And Flash the knows he got rid of Superman. Yeah. So because he says uh, there's no meta humans, so maybe in the flashback to where he goes back, you see Henry Cavill either die or like kind of like disappear, like the dust in uh, Infinity War. In the comic books, he does all this to save his mother from dying. That's basically what the whole right. entire story is. In order to save his mother, he creates this paradox that goes crazy and this is basically what the movie's going to be about so i can't wait for it um yeah it's it'd be awesome i can't wait um this next would be the best dc movie ever and it's going to be the last one before james gunn so and he and even and even he's saying that this movie could be the best superhero well one of the last ones but yeah yeah well yeah aquaman probably will be the last aquaman and blue beetle yep yeah aquaman's the last one um Extrapolations. Have you seen the trailer for this? I think it's a show coming out on uh, Apple TV. I uh, have not. Um, it looks really good. It's a sci-fi type movie set in the apocalyptic, uh, not apocalyptic, uh, futuristic world. Um, I can't remember the cast, but there's a, it's a huge cast to it. Uh, check out the trailer. Maybe we'll talk about it in in the, co- in the coming weeks. Um, they released a little uh, half-hour trailer to the Little Mermaid. Um, didn't give much except for a quick scene at the end of Ursula, played by Melissa McCarthy. 
Um, the other trailer poster that came out was Creed 3, which comes out in two weeks. I'm excited about this. I like the first two Creed. Oh, first um, one I liked a lot. I got our tickets. Oh, good. For opening night? They, uh, for the first ones, yeah. The first ones bought for that first showing, actually. Nice. Awesome. So we're going to see Creed 3. Yeah. Did you get the, Did you get the tickets for Cocaine Bear? I did not. I think, <laughs> is, uh, your, is your roommate coming to that? Because he mentioned he was going to see it. No, I don't. I don't think so. Just you and I. Okay, I didn't know if he was coming with us, so I didn't get those tickets. Yet. That's that's next weekend. We're gonna see Cocaine Bear, so I can't yep. wait for that. Um, but yeah, Cree Three Trail looks great. It comes out in a couple weeks. We're gonna see that too. There's a movie. I was, ta- I was talking to Kevin about this. There's a movie every single week between oh now and God. April first. There's a movie every single week between now and then up until April first until May. I think there's none, but then the summer there's a ton of movies coming out too. So this is a crazy time if you. Want to see yeah. movies? Highly recommend getting the Regal Unlimited. If this you're is... near near an AMC, get the AMC Unlimited app or whatever the hell they have. See unlimited movies this is, this for twenty bucks. The year that everything from uh, COVID, yep. everything from years, all being pushed back. But yeah, twenty bucks a month, and you pay for two movies, and yep. it's worth seeing. AMC it's has one, it. also I think it's the same price. So yeah, as you get... long as your theater isn't closing. Yeah, and you have a concession discount for uh, Regal too if you get that. So I think it's 10, 10 or 15% for concession discount yeah. for popcorn drinks and whatnot, but because they're overpriced. Um, and the trailer that blew me away this week that wasn't the Super Bowl, this came out later in the week, was the Tetris trailer. Apple TV, starring Taron Egerton. Of course, seen him in the Kingsman, Kingsman movies. Um, this movie looks incredible. We, we heard about this story, I think we talked about it a while ago, but it's the story of Tetris and stealing the information from the Russians to bring it to America where he made deals with Nintendo to make it an exclusive for the Game Boy, to make it the one game that comes with the Game Boy system that came, when it first yep. came out in 1989. The, the, move, this, yeah, uh, the series really looks good. really good, and, and it comes out on Apple TV on March 31st. Um, it, looks, it just looks great, but... Um, yeah. That's it. Um, that's and it. I noticed, I, I also put in the chat um, to check out the Gaming Historians our long video on Tetris. Yes. It is exceptional. I highly recommend it. If you don't want to know everything, then wait until you see the movie. I'm going to wait. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. I'm going to wait. That's the thing about when I watch biopics like that, I like to wait until the end. And then for four yeah, hours after I watch a movie, I'm Googling yeah. and watching videos on YouTube about this shit. So yep. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so let's get into the bulk of the news. Um, Bad, Bad Girl star Leslie Grace rejects the studio's claims that they axed the film because it was unreleasable, saying the cut she saw was incredible. I kind of get that <laughs> feeling. I kind of get that feeling, too, because Brendan Fraser said the same thing, that he's heard other people that seen the movie saying that it was incredible. I just, I have a feeling that it was built for a TV. It was built for HBO Max, and there was just nothing, yeah, they was. Could, there was nothing that they could do with it to put it on the big screen to actually make money. You put something like this so huge on HBO Max, you're not making any money. You already have a set group of subscribers that are paying for it. You're not going to get anybody new coming in for a Batgirl right. movie. So it kind of sucks that it's shelved and we're not and never going to see it again. Because I think Brendan Fraser, the, I, I, I've mentioned it before, his res, resurgence as an actor, I love it. I love to see him giving this second shot at, at acting because he was a icon of the '90s and the early 2000s with the Mummy movies and yeah. everything else. He's a he's a huge Superman fan. I think he was even attached oh, yeah. to Superman yep. at, at one point during the hiatus from the he '70s was, or late '80s to the '90s. He was he was on Howard Stern last week. He talked about how he was 
close to being Superman, ex- and you got through the, the process. The Brandon Routh movie, maybe? The Brandon, the Brandon Routh movie, but there was backstage, back behind the scenes politics that kind of fucked everything up. Yeah. I have a feeling it was Brian Singer, but I'm I'm just speculating on that because I know he, was, he did a lot of Shocker. fuckery back then. Yeah, he did a lot of fuckery, so. Um, but yeah, HBO Max's The Penguin continues to expand its, its, its cast. They just added three other people to the cast. I don't know one of them. Some of them are familiar. Um, but they added three new uh, players to the cast, so that movie's that the TV show and is Pattinson is supposed to be back. That was a rumor. I didn't put it in the notes, but Pattinson may be coming yeah, back for that. That's, well. Yeah, that's what's on the notes is a rumor. Yeah. Yep. Um, they released the first picture from the new Joker, the second Joker movie with Lady Gaga and uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. I didn't like the first one. However, I liked the first twenty. The last twenty-five minutes of the movie were incredible. Um, I, I did like that, but I didn't like the rest of the movie. Um, but I am looking forward to this. If it if it is if she's playing Harley Quinn and this is the story of a psychiatrist that is getting corrupted by this Joker character, I can't wait to see this happen. And it's a fucking musical, which is which is weird. Right up your alley. Yep. <laughs> um, and did you hear the rumors of who may play Rocket's love interest in Guardians of the Galaxy Three: The Otter? No. The rumors are that it's Lady Gaga because it would be their return connection from, with uh, Bradley. Yep, Bradley. Yep. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, James Gunn has said that Peacemaker Two season, uh, season Two will happen. Um, it's part of the new the new plan going forward, but um, it's being postponed until they flesh out the we- the rest of the DCU going forward, which they kind of already they're starting doing now. So give it a few more years. I'm sure John Cena will be back in that role. The Hot Toys, Batmobile, the Hot Toys, yeah. Michael Keaton figure. I almost Look. put a down payment on these this week. These are expensive. They are expensive, but I would clean off a shelf for this in a heartbeat. I would just throw everything off my <laughs> desk to put that Batmobile right here. Yep. It looks incredible. Um, I know Jazz is also doing three new Batmobiles. They're doing the Batman Forever one, awesome. the Batman 89 one, and the Batman one. Um, the Batman one comes with like smoke and uh, lights and shit like that that work, wow. um, and that's going for like fourteen hundred bucks. Jesus! If you want this yeah, figure, yeah. <laughs> if you want this figure in the Batman, the Batmobile, if you want this uh, Michael Keaton Batman and this Batmobile together, you can put Batman in the Batmobile. Yes, you can. The 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 combined price is about a thousand bucks, maybe eleven hundred bucks total. That's- that's not too bad, considering, considering I was looking at the Jazz Inc. toy and almost bought it. <laughs> I have, I have the, I have the Alfred and the um, Christian Bale, um, Bruce Wayne, with the Batman outfit in the cabinet from The Dark Knight. I have that up there. That was six fifty. I have that one. That's Damn. one. That's one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, I, I may pull the trigger on this. We'll see. It's I love. A lot of, it's a lot of fucking. I love money. their, uh, their. Uh, Batman Beyond Terry McGinnis figure is really nice. Really nice. Yeah. Their Black Panther Chadwick Boseman one is insane. It has this like lighting wow. to it. My other my other favorite figure is the Joker, the uh, Keith Ledger Joker one that came out a few years ago. I have that. Did you get that um, one too? Okay, I, I have that one. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I the good thing about these are they are an investment. I bought that figure for three hundred bucks, maybe two fifty, and it's worth like six fifty right now, seven hundred. Oh yeah. So they're good investments. It's like, just the initial. Like the new price. Beanie Baby. Except Beanie Babies, no, Kevin. <laughs> they're not the new Beanie Babies. If anything, it may be the new pop figure. Because but the pop figures are still popular right now. 
but we'll see. Yep. Um, DCU um, is is being inspired by Game of Thrones and Star Wars. That's what James Gunn has kind of said. Um, we're creating a universe that is like Star Wars, where there are different times, different places, and different things. And like Game of Thrones, where characters are a little bit more morally complex. So we kind of get that feeling with, with this uh, new output that's coming out for DCU. So we'll see. Speaking of Star Wars, the rumor is during Celebration in April that they're going to unveil the next set of film plans for the Star Wars universe. Has it been a new film yeah, since? We'll has it been a new film since Rise of Skywalker, which was universally panned by critics and fans? Um, fans did not like that little end of, in the middle of that trilogy. Um, so we will see. Um, the, uh, how about they don't ask anything? They have a script. How's that, that for an idea? Well, this is Disney we're talking about. They can announce something ten years before, and it still would be. Yeah. Um, Deadpool three. Ryan Reynolds announced the main villain who was going to be playing the main villain. Didn't announce who it was, but the actress, her name is Emma Corrin. Um, have you seen The Crown? She plays um, she plays Diana in that, I think. Oh, okay. I've never seen The Crown, but I, I think I, she, I, I, I believe she plays Princess Diana, but she's going to be the main villain in Deadpool 3. They announced that. They're going to be filming soon for that. Um and also, uh, Kevin Feige did confirm that Deadpool 3 will be their first R-rated film, which also means since Blade comes out before Deadpool, Blade will be a PG-13 movie, and I know that's going to hurt a lot of people's hearts and souls, But and, and Chris will be one of them, but it is confirmed by Kevin Feige that, De that Deadpool 3 will be their first R-rated film, which I'm glad they are doing that at least continuation of the first two movies being R-rated. I don't, I don't think yep. Ryan Reynolds would have done it without it being R-rated. Um, and they had they brought in Blade from somewhere else that was already R-rated, that would also be R-rated coming into the MCU right. since they're starting fresh. Breathe they don't right. have to. Maybe it'll be a director's cut of it or an R-rated cut, who knows. But, yeah. I think I think Deadpool will be the test of the waters for this. We'll see how it works. Yeah. And, yep. um, he, also he also confirmed that... Um, my no, I, I don't do well on notes. Um, he also confirmed that Spider-Man 4 story is locked. They have the story down. Um, they're writing it, just starting writing it right now. But he also confirmed a whole bunch of stuff. He did an article with Entertainment Weekly this week. Confirmed a whole bunch of shit. Um, the first thing that he confirmed was that Thaddeus Ross being taken over the role for Thaddeus Ross, General Ross being taken over by Harrison Ford, in Captain America New World Order, he's going to be President Ross. He's going to be the President of the United States. And there's going to be a lot of interactions between him and Sam Wilson. Um, and uh, they've had a history together. And there's going to be a lot of uh, shenanigans that happen in the movie because of that. I have a feeling that Harrison Ford is eventually going to turn into the Red Hulk. Which I'm... That would be awesome. It's going to be awesome because because Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford in the eighties when he's eighty, is a lot different than Harrison Ford in the in his thirties when he was Han Solo in the eighties. So I can't wait to see how he turns and, into uh, the Red Hulk. I think he only took this job because he was really good friends with uh, what's his name, the guy that died that was originally yes. the Red Hulk, yep. William Hart. I think they were really good friends. So that's one of why he took this job. 
Yep. And Kevin Feige also said the Fantastic Four will be a big pillar in MCU going forward. Um, with news coming soon on the casting. And uh, of course the director of that being Matt Shackman who directed WandaVision. I have a feeling and, and all everything's pointing to this movie being set in the 60s. Being a flashback, them getting sent into another dimension, like in the comic books, and being brought back into the future, which is my speculation from the beginning. I don't know if Galactus will be a part of it. I'm hoping Doctor Doom. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't want Doctor Doom to be a part of it. I hope he is, but I hope Doctor Doom is done right because Doom yeah, is a. Yeah, I think great... a lot of people don't want them to do it because they'll fuck him up. But but Doom is they... a great, great character. Yeah. He he could be like Kang level villain towards the end of this if they do it right. Oh, yeah. But um, we'll see. Um, speaking of Kang, um, talked a little bit about Secret Wars. Talked about Kang Dynasty in relation to Quantum Mania. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole entire article. It's on Entertainment Weekly. Talked about a whole bunch of shit. He also talked about the changing the pace of Disney Plus shows. We're going to talk about it in a little bit, but they also delayed the Marvels. It was supposed to come out in July. Now it's coming out in November. I think they're going to change yeah. the output of everything to about three and three, maybe two two shows, three movies a year, maybe a couple of special like, special so. presentations. It was it was too much last year, but it was also yeah. like you mentioned, it was after COVID. They wanted to release a whole bunch of shit that they that they got delayed from from 2020, 21, and yeah, it was just an, it was just an overabundance of everything all at once, and it was it was too much last year. So they're they're kind of wrang, wrangling everything in. Um, I think the only two shows that are on the docket this year are Secret Invasion and Loki Season 2. Both shows I'm looking highly towards. Um, yeah. There's also... There's I told also, you, apparently the Secret Wars show is like has like some of the best scripts that yes, people have said from Marvel, so yeah. hopefully, hopefully it's and, good. And of course the rumors of being another Hall a Secret Halloween special as well. Whether it be a sequel to um, Werewolf by Night or not, um, we'll see what happens with that, but um, uh, he also admits that they're just they're just way too many MCU shows. His exact quote: "We want Marvel Studios and MCU projects to really stand out and stand stand above, so people will see that we when we get further into Phase Five and Six, the pace at which we are putting out Disney Plus shows will change, so they can each have a chance to shine." Great, great thing. I'm glad they found it now before they got a few years into this. Um, and we'll get into it when we review Ant-Man 2. There's a few few parts of that as well that kind of bother me. But um, da, da, da. Again, my notes are way too many. Um, Marvel Studios knows how and when the mutants will be introduced. He confirmed that as well. Of course, not giving any information of how they're going to be introduced, but they know. They have the plan out already. Kind of already put the little breadcrumbs here and there. There's a scene in Miss Marvel where they mention mutants and the whole X-Men theme song from from the 90s comes comes to play. Done it a couple of times, um, of course, and in Black Panther 2. The word mutants is brought up with Namor. He's an actual mutant, so we'll see. Um, and Patrick Stewart tells that, tells, hints that um, Anne McCallan and him as a as Magneto and Professor Xavier, they are not done. Um, hinting that he may return to the X-Men universe in Deadpool. So we'll see about that. Another couple 80-year-old actors. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I love him as Magneto. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. 
Um, it was also revealed this is late. This is later in the week that Ed Norton was in le- nearly landed the role of Daredevil in the in the Ben Affleck movie that came out in the early two thousands. Um, huh. What would you have thought of? Because that was Ed Norton right after. That was when I was. That was when I was prime. Ed, Nor- Ed Norton was like my favorite actor on the planet, and he could do no wrong in my eyes. Um, I bet so you obviously would have thought differently. I would have loved it. That's why. They did too much in that movie, yeah. um, but I probably would have loved it just because it was Edward Norton. Yeah, um, and he's—I think he's a better actor than Ben Affleck, especially back then. Oh, back um, then, yeah. back then he's definitely a better actor. Uh, but I'm glad he isn't associated with that piece of shit. Yeah. Although, like most movies, the director's version is more. Yeah. But it's still not great. I have um, trouble with him as a good guy. Yeah, that too. Yeah, he's too an asshole in real life and in in movies. He plays a great asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, according to Hollywood Reporter, Nova will be a series on Disney Plus. Um, I think uh, this has already been rumored before. Um, it's still a rumor because Dis- until Disney confirms it, it, it will be a rumor. But Nova, um, one of the one of the one things I'm looking forward to, and I hope there's a flashback scene of how of how. Thanos got the ring from from the Nova Corps. I want to see how that happened. I mean, the ring, the uh, stone. So I want to see that happen, the Power Stone. We'll see. Um, they released the poster to the Marvels today because they delayed the movie. It's supposed to come out on July 28th, and it's coming out on November 10th. Um, so it's being delayed about four or five months. So um, yep. I, know, I know you don't care about hey, it, but I do. I was going to say, do you remember what I said after we went off the pod this week. Yes, I said, "Don't get me a ticket. Cause I'm not going to waste a day off in July seeing the movie." Well, same thing, Dan. So I will not waste. You're not a working all day on that movie. <laughs> You're not working. I will not in waste November. a crisp fall day on that. Movie. I I I can't wait to see it. I mean, I I do like these movies, even though even though they're at a slump right now. I think it's just too much right now. But we'll see. Um. John Favreau going to star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. was there with his bald head, and he put a he put a gum piece of gum on the star to make him feel like home in Hollywood. Um, Idris Elba said he's not interested in playing James Bond. Interesting, because everybody wants him to. Barry Coogan to star as Billy the Kid. I put a in our in our notes, Kevin. I put a picture of him and Billy the Kid. He looks almost identical yeah, to him. Yeah, he does. I, he's a good actor. He is a good. He's a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> Except for him playing the Joker. So, um, Comcast is ending Peacock's free ride for Xfinity members in the next few months this summer. Um, I get Peacock for free. I pay five dollars for the premium. I'm gonna have to start paying even more because they're not gonna give me my free ride anymore for being a Xfinity Bastards. Comcast member. Um, Taking away our ride. Yep. Uh, LeBron James gets booed by fans at Super Bowl. Last last week. Go ahead, buck him. Piece of shit. Damn hey shit. Adam, Adam, do you want to hear my <laughs> te- you want to hear my Teach Ray Sports theme song I made last week? Because I want to play it. I want to play it again. This is the theme to Teach Ray Sports. We need a theme for Teach Ray Sports. I couldn't think of anything that would be original. I stole this instrumental from the Gary Shanley Show. This is the theme to Teach Ray Sports. This is the theme to teach Ray sports. 
We had a we had a good discussion on LeBron last week in the Super Bowl. Chip Pineapple uh, rating of that song. I gave it a five. <laughs> I gave it a five and a half. So if you've ever listened to the old Mud at Night show on EEI, oh yeah, they did, of course they I did have. the same thing. They they took yeah. that and and used that same song to come up with. A that's what it was because when he did that last week, that's all I was like, I know I've heard this before. That was Mud at I Night. I know I've heard this before. That was Mud at Night. Oh god. That was driving me crazy the entire the time he was playing it. Show. I'm not the yep. first. I'm not the first. I'm not the last that has done that. But, um, but yeah, a fourth Riddick movie is officially in the works with Vin Diesel. Um, first three are okay. Vin Diesel is Vin Diesel. Yeah, um, I like the first have, one. Have you ever seen the How to Train Your Dragon movies, Kevin? I have not. But I've heard good. they're phenomenal. Visually, visually, visually good. They're Dream DreamWorks animation, same ones that do Shrek. Um, good movies. Um, they're doing a live action adaptation coming out in 2025, so in two years. Um, I'm surprised it's coming out that soon, but they're doing a live action. Yeah. Uh, live action. The adaptation. CGI. The CGI for the dragons should take long alone for. Yeah, that's, alone. that's what I'm saying. I'm surprised it's being so. And there's no casting information. Just just announced this week. Nobody had even heard about it until this week. So. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Michael B. Jordan coming back with Will Smith for I Am Legend two, set after the. It was an it was an up it was an alternate ending from the movie. It was a deleted scene that came out with the the, the DVD. Um, that's going to be the canon of the new movie. Because I believe Will Smith oh. died in the didn't Will Smith die in the first movie? I think that's what happened. I can't remember. I saw it a long time ago in the theater. I believe I so. bought the DVD, but I don't think I ever I don't think I ever watched it though. Or it is the alternate ending. The alternate ending he survived, and I think in the book he survives too. And that's what this movie is based off. It's based off the adaptation of the book. Um, so they're gonna take the alternate ending, which has never really happened before. A couple of times they've done that, but um, yeah. but yeah, Snyderverse is not happy. Snyderverse, <laughs> it's a movie, a movie by WB. And they're using the non-canon material to do a sequel. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> have you watched every season of Arrested Development? Negative. That's a show. Um, actually, I just started watching Parks and Rec from the beginning because I've only seen random episodes of the show, and I love that show. Uh, Arrested Development's the same thing where I saw like a bunch of random episodes, and I liked them, but I just never watched it from start to finish. Seasons one, two, and three, the original run, were really good. When it came on Netflix, it wasn't yep. as good, but it was still good. Season four and five. Well, Netflix is removing all of it, so if you want to watch four and five, which is exclusive to Netflix, you may only be able to watch it. For the next two or three weeks on there. They're going to remove it on March 15th. Um, of course, they're on DVD. So if you do want to watch them, they are on DVD. I, I, I recommend the first three seasons. It was on Fox back in the day. It was canceled and then Netflix revived it. It was one of the first um, reboots and, and revivals that, that they ever did. So, um, Of course, Jason Bateman, um, Michael Sierra, Jeffrey Tambor, Will Arnett. Um, whole huge cast. Great, hey, funny. Jeffrey Tambor got canceled. He did get canceled. Didn't he do that's, why, that's why, you, okay. yeah, yeah he, that's why you don't see him anymore. Um, you talked about Plane last week. They're doing a sequel to that, starring Mike Coulter, called yeah. Ship. Yeah. It makes sense. Makes it, uh, sense. Okay. I understand after watching after watching the movie and how it ends. I think I kind of know what it's gonna be about. Uh, let basically, take, let me take a guess. Yeah, you guess. There's there's a ship. Because the movie's called Ship, Kevin. Well, 
that's basis of it. But no, um, at okay. the end of the first movie, plane, he ends up split off. So I'm assuming the ship is the way he's going to get off the island he's stranded on. And okay. they'll probably use tourists or pirates or some shit like that. That's my guess as to where they can go. Because that's the only thing that would make sense. Like, he has to get off the island because, yeah. You want to separate know, ways. I know you've been watching Poker Face on uh, Peacock. Yep. They renewed it, I, uh, renewed, I, renewed it I for I haven't been talking two. about it week to week. I haven't been talking about it week to week because I was waiting for the whole thing to be done. Because the last couple of weeks we've been kind of busy and had a lot to talk about. Yep. But you can watch week to week and I'll review it when it's over. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about it next week uh, if I can get if I can get into it. But it was renewed for season okay. two on Peacock. Um, Steven Spielberg talked a little bit this week about being happy he rejected Harry Potter. He was he was going to be the first director of the Harry Potter franchise. Um, I it's, it's interesting to hear stories like that, hearing directors or actors that didn't take roles that other people got really famous from. Um, would have been interesting. Liam Neeson today criticized Star Wars for having too many spinoffs. Um, the exact quote, there are too many spin-offs for Star Wars. It's diluting it to me. It's taking away the mystery and the magic in a weird way. When they asked him about him doing a Qui-Gon Jinn series, pretty much. Um, he was, of course, in the Obi-Wan series. Had a quick cameo at the very end as Ghost Obi-Wan um, for, for Owen, he, uh, Wilson. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Uh, in the, uh, the animated show they did, Owen I McGregor. think it was his son. Yeah. I think his son voiced him in the animated show they did, um, Tales of the Jedi. Yep. Which is kind of cool. And a couple of men- months ago, we mentioned Bruce Willis. He had he was diagnosed with a weird disease that was the, the onset of dementia. Well, they actually diagnosed him with dementia th- this week. Um, his family came out with a statement. So he is definitely done with Hollywood. He's done with being in the public eye. You won't see him anywhere anymore. Dementia dementia is one hell of a disease. It it, it, yep. it just makes you lose your mind and you lose that, your memory. That and Alzheimer's. I don't know yeah. which one I'd rather have. Like I don't know which is the better of bad evils yep. or whatever. You know. Yep. Yep. And finally, in news, we talked about it. We've we've heard rumors and rumblings coming out in the springtime. Ted Lasso season three, March fifteenth. I cannot wait for this show. First two Nate seasons. Must die. Nate must, must die. die. He's the Roy. biggest villain in TV history since uh, Walter White. Yep. Roy fucking Kent is all I have to say. I cannot wait. Yep. And that is it for news. <laughs> Holy shit, that was a lot. And we are we still and have two more, more segments. We still have two more segments to go. So let's get into the Attitude Era rewatch. No Way Out, February 15th, 1998, Houston, Texas. An in-your-house pay-per-view without the in-your-house in your uh, label being marked on it. Uh, this is the first one since uh, Degeneration X, I think it was the last in-your-house. Um, so yeah, let's get into it a little bit. Um, it's revealed behind the scenes that Shawn Michaels only has one more match left in him that he can perform in. 
Um, before he has to go into surgery and take time off. And this puts a wrench in the planned eight-man tag match at the end of the night. And the one match that he has left to do would be WrestleMania versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. So they're keeping him off the off the uh, out of the ring until then. So they have to replace him. And throughout the night, they they are teasing a surprise replacement for Shawn Michaels in the eight-man tag match. Um, also during this time, Mike Tyson has a split with Don King. And I was listening to Conrad's podcast this week, so I got a little bit more information on this. Um, it was a big thing back in the day. Don King was, of course, his promoter. And uh, and Don King stole a bunch of money from Mike Tyson. So he was getting a big payday from WWF at the time to be be a part of WrestleMania, being part of the build-up to WrestleMania. So it, it was it, the, the press conferences that they were doing, they were a lot, not only asking wrestling questions, but they were asking questions about that as well. I thought that was pretty interesting to, to learn about. Um, G- JR is really pushing this gold dust bullshit. Compare- <clears throat> comparing his current goth look to Marilyn Manson. Here's a Steve Weiser for you. Um, <laughs> he, he, the gold dust character, I have a lot of problems with the way that they've turned him. Um, the artist formerly known as gold dust, as they're calling him. So that's where we are now with him in that gimmick. Yes, and he's, he's he's dressed all in goth, like a goth uniform. It just looks weird. Yeah, his '96 through '97 run was great. His 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 prime part of this whole entire thing were all the movie quotes and the match with um with um, fuck. Piper Piper at WrestleMania was Roddy great. Piper. The yeah. Hollywood backlot match was great. Yeah, <clears throat> and and up until and up until now, he's been just he's just been kind of. Sidelined with everything. So, um, a- after losing a five-on-five match with Shamrock, Ahmed Johnson and DOA in the Nation of Domination, um, the, Na- the Nation of Domination starts to implode. The Rock blames Farouk for the loss, and they end up pushing each other before the other members separate them. Um, Farouk lays out D'Lo Brown, who's now also pissed, and he calls everyone back in the ring, reluctantly, reluctantly to do the nation salute at the end. So they're all they all get they're all fighting, but yet they all do the salute at the end. Kind of weird, weird storytelling, but I'm sure it pays off eventually. Um, Vader versus Kane. This is Vader's final feud in WF before he's going into jobber status and into, into obscurity. Um, Kane defeats Vader, beats him in the face with a wrench, and he's out of action for a couple more months. And they continue with their feud after WrestleMania. Um, and the main event of the pay-per-view was Stone Cold, Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie, and Owen Hart versus the New Age Outlaws, Triple H, and replacing HBK, Savio Vega? Made no sense. It was a weak reveal after a night of backstage segments teasing an epic replacement, and it didn't, it didn't live up to the, te- the potential it could have been. Reminds me of the gulpy gooker. Survivor Series 1990. I, I, in 1998, I don't know who would have, who would have been placed in that role. I don't know who they could replace to be a. They, uh, they had I pretty. They just kept hyping it up because they were like basically pushing it as somebody could be from WCW. Blah, blah. That's what I remember hearing that, about. That's, like, what, that's what they were early doing. internet and that's what yep. it was. It's, it could be Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, whatever. Ex- that's exactly that's exactly what was happening, or the click, or yeah. Um, Stone Cold, but the whole entire match, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out to an eruption. The whole entire night was quiet until now. Stone Cold comes in there and everybody just wakes up just like that. Um, and Austin's team ends up winning. But the, this was most the most iconic part of this whole entire night was China at the end confronts Stone Cold. After, he, after Stone Cold takes out Triple H and they have a stare down and she shoves Stone Cold. 
Austin refuses to hit her, and she starts to leave the ring, and she, and she flips Austin off. So Austin comes back in the ring, and he stuns, Stone Cold stuns the fuck out of China. Now, he's done this to JR, the King, Sergeant Slaughter, Vincent Mann, and now he's done it to China, a female wrestler. One of the first times an intergender alter, altercation has happened with the opposite sex. Um, brilliant storytelling, great build to the Stone, Stone Cold character. Um, beating down the untouchable stereotypes. First time, I mean, the first stunners he's done to all of these people were were things that Stone Cold just couldn't do, but he did it anyway. It's great storytelling for his character. Um, and this was Owen's last time in a main event spot. This is the very, very last time he was ever in a main event. Of course, a year from now, he dies in the ring. Um, but overall, the whole entire pay-per-view was boring and disappointing, overshadowed by an awesome fucking ending. Um... But yeah, that was the pay-per-view. And the Raw is War wasn't much better later. Um, it was a taped, preempted episode. I think it aired the following Saturday night, so it didn't even air the night after the pay-per-view. It was in Dallas, Texas. Uh, the most notable thing from the show was that China announced that she was suing Stole Cold for the attack at No Way Out. I don't think it ever plays out. Um, Austin opens the second hour with an entering interview with JR, all while wearing a fanny pack. Explains his re reasoning for stunning China. It's saying it's his ring and you walk through those ropes, your ass belongs to Stone Cold, stuff like that. Stone Cold, regular things he used to say all the time. And the fi final significant match segment of the night was the Nation of Domination come down to the ring. And The Rock has a surprise for, Bar for Baruch. He brings out a, a gift wrapped uh, and gives it to him. He ends up giving Mark Henry, Kama, and uh, D'Lo Brown gold Rolexes and gives Farouk a wrapped gift, a poster of The Rock. Farouk loses the match, and uh, The Rock ends up uh, lifting up the poster, and Farouk is pissed. He rips it into shreds, and it causes them to be fighting again and being separated by the rest of the nation, and they all do the salute again. It's, we it's a weird story for the Nation of Domination. I know there's not much left to this uh, inner incarnation of the, of the Nation of Domination, um, so we'll see where this plays out. But that's it for Attitude Era Rewatch. And a couple more weeks, we've got WrestleMania, and that's it for our Azure uh, rewatch altogether. But let's get into the re big review of the week, the last segment of the show Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, the spoiler review. Now, Adam, I'm going to spoil this for you because I know you were probably wondering about this. There is no Michael Pena in this movie. Where does your level of excitement for this movie stand now? Dropping. Same Same when I heard about it too. I dropped for me. It, it dropped the score. Easily. Best part of Ant-Man 1 and 2. I will say this movie did not feel like a sequel to the first and second Ant-Man. It felt like a standalone, weird standalone movie. Yep. Um... Weird. That's, and that's at times it, it felt like Ant Man was miscast his own movie, which is a weird thing to say. But yeah, it just yeah. It yeah. didn't feel like an it didn't feel like an Ant Man movie. It felt like a multiversal weird it, strange. It, it didn't have the charm the first two had. It did not. Um, you know me. I absolutely love First Ant Man. Um, it's one of my favorite MCU movies of all time. I just, it's just watched fun. It. I, just I love watched the ending. Yeah, I just yeah. watched it this week. It's good. The ending, the fight on the train is awesome. Like it's just, it's one of my like sub genre favorite uh, movies. Yep. In the MCU. 
And even Ant Man, even Ant Man Two, Ant Man and the Wasp is a good yeah, movie. It's, it's not as good. it's not as yeah. good. It's not as good. Nope. But this movie doesn't live up to it as far as an Ant Man no. story goes. Continuing the story of the MCU right now, the multiverse story. There's a lot of things that were introduced, a lot of weird things. The biggest thing in this is Kang. I will say, Jonathan Majors perfectly cast as Kang the Conqueror. I loved every scene he was in. He is fucking incredible. But he pulled the movie. It was him. If you took him out of this movie, this movie would have been trash. And that's that's so fucking sad. Because an Ant-Man movie, you want it to be a good movie, but... The the one the one thing that was holding it together was Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. He was amazing. Yeah. I, I wrote in my notes that I would have rather just a Kang origin film. Yeah, yeah. Than what we got with yeah. maybe you could have included Ant Man somehow if you wanted him to be in the quantum realm and all that. But just a Kang origin story, I think, would have been better. And, and like I mentioned before, I think this is more of a this Kang has been around for thousands of years and this is the end of his right. life. And I was kind of proved to prove that in this story where he dies at the end spoiler, but there's also multiple Kangs, multiple Kangs. Yeah, and we'll yeah, get into hundreds. the after we'll, we'll get into, right. thousands. Yeah. We'll get into the after credits at the end, but there's a Modoc retcon as well. Very cartoonish. Corey Stoll, who played, um, yellow jacket in the first movie. He was shrunk down into the quantum yeah. realm, and you find out he was shrunk so small and, and compressed into su- such a small thing that they end up using his body and likeness to be Modoc in this. It was strange, very cartoonish. They stretched out his face. It was weird. It was fucking awful. It was awful. It was awful. It was, and, it, and it had a weird, cringy comic <laughs> co- comedy quote. But it was weird. I didn't. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like the retcon of the Modok character. But there's not much in in this MCU that you, they're doing. There's not much you could do with Modok. You know who who wrote this movie, right? I have no idea. Who wrote it? Uh, one of the writers from Rick and Morty. And okay. every line that that, that makes Modok delivered. Sense. I was like, this is Rick and Morty. I was like, so I looked it up. It was like at home on IMDb, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> he worked with Rick and Morty for. Two seasons. <laughs> now that now that now that brings that makes everything come together. Now that you said that because this felt like a yeah. Rick and Morty. I know TV. Episode. I know you're not a huge Rick and Morty fan. I like it a little bit more than, but exactly what I felt when I was watching it. Wow, that that make and also I think the 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 comparisons to Star Wars hurt the movie because I think they tried yeah. too hard. It tried too hard to be a galactic opera. Uh, uh, it tried too hard to be star. It tried too hard to be Star Wars. What I had put in the notes that was. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was compared to Star Wars after people had seen, and yes. they weren't trying to be Star Wars. It just ended up being people yeah. were like, "Oh, this is like MCU Star Wars." Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um, a couple of things I did like uh, the probability storm, which was rumored in or was talked about in the first Ant Man, I believe. The probability storm scene was kind of cool, mm. but it was also very confusing. It was. There was thousands of Ant Mans, thousands of wasps. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea <laughs> I didn't and the concept know of it. Robin one. <laughs> when he the comes ba- out in the Baskin Robbins suit, that was awesome. The, the Baskin Robbins, the Baskin Robbins suit was amazing. That I, I, that was funny. Uh, I laughed at that. There's a lot. There's a lot of things I laughed at at this movie. So there was some comedy. Um, yeah. But w- without Michael Pena being in this at all, it, it, it hurt it for me. It really did because I was looking forward to seeing Lewis come back and telling a story, and it hasn't happened 
since Ant-Man 2, and that's just that's just bad, bad writing. Bad storytelling. Yeah, I know I mentioned to you before, you can't find it anywhere, um, but Adam, did you know that they had, during one of their presentations, I think it was leading up to Endgame at one of the Comic-Con, they had him recite the entire MCU up to that point, just like he did in the Ant-Man movies, and I can't find it anywhere. I really want to see that. It's like a 15-minute clip of my opinion going over the entire MCU leading up to Endgame. I yeah. saw something, I guess, around that time, part of that. Right. I, I yeah. recall I mean, it. Part of it might have been released, but I can't find it. And yeah, I've looked just everywhere. Incredible. I mean, yeah. He's, he's awesome. He is, he's, he's awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, the whole story is about them going into the quantum realm. They get sucked in there, kind of trapped by Modok, bringing him down there. Modok is working for Kang now because Kang gave Modok the metal uniform flying suit that he ends up using in the movie. Kang the Conqueror is amazing. It's it's hard to explain without seeing the movie how menacing he is, how Darth Vader like he is. If any, if you're gonna oh my god, if you're going He's to incredible. if you're gonna compare anything to Star Wars, it's Kang being Vader. He is a menacing, menacing guy. However, he's, he's so like even killed. Like he's just so like he's just. You look at him and and then all of a sudden he's he's like you say he's missing, which is what I had in my notes also. Um, he is more like the He Who Remains than he is more connected to He Who Remains than the other Kangs are that you end up seeing in the post credit scene. Um, he is on a similar path that, where he wants to fix what the evil Kangs are doing. He's kind of like. Well, they're doing something evil. I want to fix it. Maybe not destroying all timelines is a good a good way of doing that. However, he does destroy timelines, which just his description of doing that is amazing and killing, killing destroying the Avengers. And he tells Ant Man, "Have I killed you before?" It's just incredible the way he talks to him. And in the beginning of the movie, he meets and when Janet is stuck, and they show a flashback when Janet was stuck in um, the quantum realm. And she ends up saving Kang. And that whole entire interaction with them and him and him first landing in the quantum realm and her thinking yep. that he's a good guy and then reading his mind and seeing how corrupt he is, it's just its just incredible. Um, the big gripe I had with the movie, there was no emotional payoff in the whole entire movie. Exactly. And when, and when you think they're giving you exactly. emotion, and when you think they're pulling emotion, they're, they pull a swerve. I.e., for example, Ant-Man and the Wasp at the end get stuck in the quantum realm. They should have been stuck in the quantum realm, but Cassie yeah. ended up opening a portal you, with no... You, just like that, just opened a portal and they came out. They sh if they were stuck in the you, quantum realm, yeah. it would have set the stakes up later in the phase to either save them or them coming back for Avengers Secret War, which would have been amazing. But they ended up yep. being saved and they ended up like, going back into the real world, which was I didn't like. You didn't that. have to... Like, you didn't have to kill somebody to make it emotional. Like you said, they could have just been stuck in the quantum realm and it would have left us off on a what the hell is going to happen now. Instead, they just end up back and he's just talking to himself on the street and he's like, Wait, did dead, I... right? And he's like, dead, right? About it, but like, he's dead, right? Yeah. I think I think Michael Pena... They said, they said the movie couldn't fit Michael Pena in the movie. I think Michael Pena would have fit in the end of the movie if they'd done it that way. Because they had... They I'll had, tell you... When I think he should have been in it, but yeah, go on. I, I think towards the end when he was talking to himself saying, we defeated Kang. Wait, we really defeated Kang, right? Hold on, is he really dead? It, for about five minutes, he's questioning if Kang's dead, and that's kind of where the movie ends until you get to the after credit scene. 
And yeah, where do you think where do you think Michael Pena should have been in the movie? Because they said that he because the guy who directed it said that the movie had so much that they couldn't fit him in the movie, which is bullshit. I, okay, so the two post credit scene, each one got well. The first one didn't get as many pops as the second. The second one got pops. I would have combined them and had it like where you see all the kings in the post credit, and then kind of like fade fade over to the last scene, the post credits. Um, we'll get and into then that. I think we'll the biggest, yeah, the biggest pop of the movie would have been if the second post credit scene was Michael reading the entire movie, or, like or forty seconds. Some, yeah, it, 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 something like that, or either or either in the beginning where Scott was maybe in the bookstore doing doing the yeah, uh, the signing. I like your idea of, at the end if they had been stuck in the quantum realm. Yes. And, and then Michael Pena gives a whole explanation, and then they fade to black, cut to credits, and then the two regular ones show up. Yeah. But, I mean, the pop that would have gotten if that was the second post-credits would have been huge. Yeah. But we'll get into the after-credits right now, because both of them were pretty cool. The first one, right out of the comic books, I posted a picture to you in the notes, mm-hmm. Kevin, of the Council of Kangs. You see thousands and thousands of Kang the Conquerors, Kang, Jonathan Majors, in the stadium in a coliseum with a leader. There's there's uh, there's the the Tut one, the one from the the Pyramid Times. There was Immortus, and there was the other one. I can't remember his name. I think Centurion or something. Those are the mm-hmm. main ones that you see, and they're talking there, and they're saying, and they're talking about Kang being dead. So he did really die because you weren't sure. Maybe he was shrunk down. Maybe maybe he didn't really die. Right. And they think he died. The Kang, the Kang the Conqueror in the Ant-Man movie they're, died. They're mad about it for some reason. Well, because they're the ones that also exiled him into the quantum realm. They exiled him because they want because he wanted to stop their reign of terror. And it was a reign of terror. And, and at the end of the movie, you see thousands of Kangs opening portals. By the way, the same portal that John Krasinski's Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic, went into in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the same portals that every single one of these Kangs showed up in in the, in the Coliseum. Yep. Which also has a connection to Nathaniel Richards. We'll get into that maybe in speculation in a minute. But but the scene the scene at the very end, the first after credit scene, right directly out of the comic books to the point where the very last Kang that you see is a Skrull Kang. Uh, so yeah, it's it was incredible. But the second after credit scene was a scene from Loki season two, with Loki and Morbius Mobius sitting in the audience watching Victor Timely, who is a variant of Kang, who is nineteen hundreds Kang, I believe. Or, or it looked like nineteen twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason the reason for this, Victor Timely was the creator of the original Human Torch in the comic books before Marvel took over Marvel Comics. One of the first superheroes was Namor, and the other one was the Human Torch. Not the one, not Johnny Storm, but the robot Human Torch. If you ever saw Captain America, the first Avenger, there was a suit that was in glass. It was a red suit. If you're watching the the Stark Expo in, in the 1940s, that red suit was the original Human Torch suit. And it was created by Victor Timely. He created that suit, this character. Victor Timely is a he is an, obsessed with time travel. Um, he was around in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Um, the original Human Torch comic book I think came out in the late thirties, maybe early forties. Um, 
But yeah, that was that was the second scene. It was a scene, a quick scene from Loki. You see Victor Timely on a stage talking about time travel, and Loki sees him and recognizes him as being the, the same as he who remains because, of course, he was warned in Loki that um, that if he dies, that um, there'll be multiple versions of him coming up, and that, I'm sure that's what Loki season two is going to be about. Um, and it was it was rumored that Jonathan Majors was going to be a part of it, and it was confirmed with that after credit scene. So I did love that. I uh, I had an audible reaction to it in the theater, so I was psyched about it. Yeah. Um, Nathaniel Richards, who wasn't in the movie, however, Nathaniel Richards is Iron Lad, part of the Young Avengers. Um, he is going to be probably the biggest part of the Young Avengers because he's also a Kang variant. Um, but he's a, he's a he's a kind of a good he's a good Kang variant. So I, I have a feeling he's the one that created the portals for Mister Fantastic and all these Kangs. Eventually, they use that same type of portal technology. Nathaniel Richards, same last name as Mister Fantastic. Sue. Yep. Sue Richards. Reed Richards. Um, descendant, I believe, from the future. I can't remember the whole entire story of that, but. I'm looking forward to Kang the Conqueror going forward, and I don't. I don't think this movie. I think this should have been called Ant Man. I think it sh- they should have, like you said, it should have been a Kang origin. Yep. I have in my notes. I have it's not Ant movie in spirit, and that hurts it. Yep, and that's what hurts it being an Ant Man movie. It shouldn't have been called Ant Man. Yep. Um, and just the emotional, to- the emotional, the emotional problem that I had with the movie is why I give this movie a three. Um, it's the worst MC movie I've seen since, uh, fuck, Iron Man 3, maybe? Um, and, uh, Iron Man 3, I'm not too high on. I know a lot of people like it. I didn't like the whole swerve with Mandarin, and I didn't, I, and there's a lot of this I didn't like as well, and I, I know a lot of people are kind of in the middle, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm number three. Rewatchable, I'll watch it, because it's, 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 but it's not, it's not my favorite thing. It's not my favorite MCU thing in the last, uh, phase, so, um, Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I didn't really remember this movie. Um, and that hurts because I absolutely love Ant-Man, the first one. Yeah. second one I liked. I didn't love it, but I loved the first one. Um, did they, they sent Kang back with his ship? Was that the only way they could exile him? Because I was like, why would you send him back with the one device that, assuming figure out the technology to fix it, he can also just leave. Um, Unless they damage, maybe they damage the ship when it landed, and then, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, still, like, yeah, I mean, it, it was clearly damaged, but if they knew how smart this guy was and the technology he could build, why would they send him back with the one item that can get him off? It'd be well, like they knew. They exiling knew a pilot with a, it'd be like exiling a pilot with no engine in the plane, but then they'd he could probably just build another one or fix whatever was wrong with it. They knew wow, how that was kind of. Odd. They knew how they knew how smart he was because they were him. They are king. I know the that's king, what I mean. Kings, know the how, are... They know how smart he is. So yeah. why would you send him back there with the one item that he could do? And also, when he sends start on his little mission, isn't that something Kang could have just done anyways if he wanted to? Yeah, he could have done it at any time. But um, yeah, this movie had some issues. Um, I think giving it a two and a half. Okay. Um, it's my least favorite Marvel film since Captain Marvel. Okay. Um, 
they both have about the same. I know you liked Captain Marvel more than me. Um, for me, Captain Marvel was one good scene, and that was Stanley reading the Mallrats script. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I really did not care for that movie. Um, I liked it more than Thor three, uh, Thor two. Right. I like it more than Iron Man three, and I probably like it more than Marvel also, just because um, Paul Rudd and his delivery of the humor is incredible. And anytime he was yeah. on on the screen, I was having a lot of fun. It was good. Every time he and Jesse, oh, great. Every time they weren't on on the screen, I just wanted to get back to their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I'd give it a two and a half. Um, just looking over no scenes or anything else. I think I pretty much got everything in there. Yeah, I did. Um, oh, yeah, and the whole thing shot in the volume was, you could tell it was shot in the volume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, their soundstage. Uh, which I expected going in, so that didn't bother me as much because I was expecting that anyways. Yeah. Um, I assume a lot of Guardians will be shot in the volume too. Yeah, they are. Um, but I like the Guardians a lot, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, this one just... Yeah. It was just... It was also, though, one thing that I kind of felt cool was uh, it was Paul up with the cinematographer of his very first film, Clueless. They worked together mm-hmm. for the first time since then. Oh, wow. I thought that was kind of interesting. That's cool. Um, cinematography was pretty, t- but yeah, it wasn't ideal, and I'll probably never watch it again. Yeah, the, the and, humor- you know me. I don't. I don't rewatch a lot of Marvel, anyways. No. Um, there's probably ten films in Marvel that I will will rewatch or want to rewatch at any point in time. Yeah, Marvel. So- um, Marvel. As far as the comedy goes in this, like you mentioned with Paul Rudd, I thought it works for the most part. Mm. Um, Modok. Modoc didn't work at all, but Paul Rudd worked yep. with it. I, I think I think Hank Pym in this movie. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. I, yep. I think I think I, I think I, he was I, awesome, and so was Michelle Pfeiffer. They were both. Everyone it. in the movie acted incredibly well. Yeah, which sucks because the story was weak, but everybody acted their asses off, and and, and Jonathan yep. Majors carried the whole entire movie. Which also yeah. I will I mean, say. Yeah. This movie made me want to see Kang Dynasty more and more. I love Jonathan Majors as an actor. I love him in this movie. I think he's an incredible, too, incredible character. The story of this, the story of this film, because the story of itself was weak, is setting up something that I'm not very interested in because of the story of this film. Although, of course, I'm going to see it because I think Jonathan Majors is incredible as Kang. Um, but I'm not nearly as excited as I was the first time we saw Thanos and they were right. setting that whole thing up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a very good movie, in my opinion. Yeah. But I love Paul Rudd. And also, this is the first movie where he didn't write his dialogue. The previous two Ant-Mans were, he helped with his dialogue and he helped with the Michael Pena recaps. Um, hmm. So, I kind of wish... I mean, his dialogue was fine anyways because Paul Rudd, and he's fucking awesome. But I kind of wish he he had some sort of involvement in the writing of it. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I, I think they're, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I just hope that the last year and a half, two years, that Marvel's been out with Phase phase uh, 4 and 5 now, I just hope yeah. that they rein, rein things in a little bit. It was a little bit too much. Yep. And I think this suffered. Well, I, think I saw suffered. a stat. I think from 2016 to 2019, they released seven things. And from like 
20 to now they've re- they've like doubled that in what they've been releasing. Well, um, it's also it's also and hours. Kevin Feige needs help. <laughs> yeah, Kevin he Feige does. needs help with. I mean, he had James Gunn set up to be the person to help him at one point, and then Tweetgate happened. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just getting creatively like down. <laughs> it's it's yeah, and he's it's still just... doing a fantastic job considering how much work he's done in the past. And now, I mean, that guy has got to work fourteen hours a day for the last twelve years. And the thing, and the thing is, they still have it. That's they still have the the potential to do it. I mean, you look at Werewolf by Night. You look at the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Even Black yeah. Panther Two. They still have the potential to put out these epic stories. But it's right. Just well, been, they need like careers, and they need the creators. There's so much stuff that there's so much stuff that now. Say you have three things coming out in a year. And then you push it to four or five. You need to find those creative players goes the first three that you would have been doing. Um, I think that's becoming an issue. Um, finding people for projects. I don't know. Yeah. But I think Kevin Feige might be a little overwhelmed with once they threw Disney Plus in his lap a few years ago. Um, well, there was, so, a reason, there was a reason they separated the television and movies back in the day. It's because of so much. Exactly. But, yeah. Um... Yeah, I still have faith in Foggy. I still have faith that this has me a... Me too, me too. Uh, yeah. I still have faith this has a story going forward, especially with Kang. I loved Kang in this, so we'll yeah. see. So that's it for and the John show. And John is awesome, so... He's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. That's it for the show. Thanks for everything. I think we're about two hours. I don't know. We're, we're, I, have to, I have to clip this all together at the end because we had to pause in the middle. But thank you for listening and we will catch everybody next week with uh, another episode of last of us and yes. whatever, whatever Thanks else. For coming on, Adam. Yeah. Thank you, Adam, Anytime. for coming on. Uh, like, like I said, we were going to try to re- get everybody on to review, uh, Lord of the Rings, the, uh, Tolkien movie, the Tolkien biopic. So we'll, we'll let you know about that. Looking forward to it. All right. We'll talk to everybody later. Peace. Peace.